to Travolting, covering Swordfish, with special guest Sam Kelly. Enjoy the episode. Oh. <laughs> Hi, Jeff. Hi, Stuart. Do you know what the problem with Hollywood is? What's the problem with Hollywood? They make Besides shit. a lot. They make shit. They make a lot of shit. Uh, unbelievable, unremarkable shit. They do. You know, you know, I'm not some grungy wannabe filmmaker that's searching for existentialism through a haze of uh, bong smoke or anything like that. No, it, it's easy to pick apart bad acting, short-sighted directing, and purely moronic string together of words that many of the studios term as prose. No, Stuart, Sam... I'm talking about the lack of realism in Hollywood. You, you dig? Realism, not a pervasive element in the modern American cinematic vision. Take, take Dog Day Afternoon, for example. It's arguably Pacino's best work, you know, short of Scarface and Godfather Part 1, of course. Masterpiece of directing, easily Lumet's best. But the cinematography, the acting, the screenplay, all top-notch. All top-notch is what I'm saying. But they didn't push the envelope. Now, what if in Dog Day, Sonny really wanted to get away with it? What if, now here's the tricky part, what if he started killing hostages right away? No mercy, no quarter. Meet our demands or the pretty blonde in the bell bottoms gets in the back of the head. Bam. Splat. What? Still no bust? Come on. How many innocent victims splat across the window would it take to have a city reverse its policy on hostage situations? This is what I'm saying about movies. And this is 1976. There was no CNN in that movie. There's no CNBC. There's no internet. Fast forward today, present time, same situation. How quickly would the modern media make a frenzy over this? In a matter of hours, it'd be the biggest story from Boston to Budapest. Ten hostages die, 20, 30, bam, bam, right after the other, all caught in high def, computer hands, color correcting, you possibly taste the brain matter. Whew. All for what? A bus? A plane? A couple million dollars that's federally insured? I don't think so. Just a thought. I mean, it's not within the realm of conventional cinema. But you know what is? Swordfish. <laughs> And that's what we're covering today. <laughs> uh, thank you, Jeff, for that yes. very original thought of yes, that, those monologue. Are, those are my opening thoughts on Swordfish. I did not get them from anywhere else. Yeah. Um, if I would hope our audience has seen this movie before listening to this podcast and can immediately tell that Jeff just read the opening monologue I by did Josh not Schultz. <laughs> um, but yeah. Um, can I first just start off by saying that I never like it when movies start off with a monologue from the main actor who's talking about their problems with bad movies because it's always going to bite them in the it's, ass. It's the same thing with the dark, uh, what was that, X-Men Apocalypse. Uh, Apocalypse I know when I they walk out of the movie theater and they're like, oh, the third one's always bad. And it was like meant to be a spoof on X-Men The Last Stand, but you're forgetting that. With the new like generation X Men trilogy that started with First Class and then continued with Days of Future Past and then ended with uh, Apocalypse. Apocalypse. I know they did Dark Phoenix. We don't talk about Dark Phoenix, but when it, the trilogy ended with Apocalypse, that movie. was the third movie <laughs> in a... their trilogy, and they're literally calling that out upon themselves that their third movie is going to be bad. It's really wild to call your shot at the beginning of the movie like this. It is. Yes. We anyway, have a guest with yes. us today, right? <laughs> I mean, in a way, you have to respect it. Like, when I was when I first saw this movie, it was probably like 2003. Uh, it was on TBS, and I started watching it, and all of a sudden, you know, all of a sudden it comes on, and it's just this dude talking, and I was like, well, that's kind of cool. I don't really know. What's, I don't know what Dog Day's Afternoon is because I'm fucking 12 years old. Uh, I don't know. Like, I don't know what's going on. Mm. And then all of a sudden, it just zooms out, and we're actually in the middle of the movie. And I was like, well, that's just super badass. Like, John Travolta, you know, I thought he was the coolest guy ever. <laughs> um, 
the way he like sets up this film and then we zoom out and all of a sudden Hugh Jackman is there and so is Don Cheadle and we're like right in the middle of the hostage negotiation and then five minutes later it like starts off with literally a blast and he so he calls out this movie and he says like I hate it when movies are bad and then starts the movie at a hundred yes and so yeah. here I am I'm like you know 10 years old 12 years old however you know and I'm like, this movie's going to be insane. Like, we've got explosions in the first 10 minutes. And it's that long, drawn-out, circular shot where they're zooming around and yeah. the ball bearings are breaking through everything. And it just sets the tone for this movie that it subsequently does not deliver. <laughs> and I feel like we could easily just, like, take the train and run with this yeah. plot. But before we do so, Jeff, do you have a context corner to fill of in with us? Of course I have a context corner. Let's go uh, to the context corner First, here. I just want to thank Sam for coming on today. Thank you, uh, Sam. Because when we when we started the show, we've talked about how we reached out to a lot of people, and then we also like put out the call to some friends, and we're like, if you want to talk about a movie, and we got a lot of requests for the big hits, you know, like your Battlefield Earths, your Pulp Fictions, all the ones that people like, like the big ones that you just assume and people want to talk about. Wow, we had a weird amount of people asking for Wild Hogs. <laughs> I want you to know, interesting. <laughs> we had six requests for Wild Hogs, <laughs> um, an episode we have not recorded yet, but. Um, you reached out about Swordfish pretty early on. Yeah, I said, because uh, you said you were going to cover all the topic, yeah. all the movies. And I was like, I mean, if it comes to it, <laughs> can I talk about Swordfish? <laughs> yes. Because it's the only John Travolta movie that I've ever, like, well, seen it's this mattered. many times. Yeah, that, that, that really mattered. That stuck with me as a kid. And so it was, it was definitely Adam for Phenomenon and you for Swordfish were the two, like, the strange request that we got we're like okay these guys are going to bring some context to this movie yeah and that's why i'm excited to talk about this movie today what sam you. what is going to be your birds moment or your trees moment in this episode because see adam did you listen to a phenomenon episode do you listen to podcasts i'm gonna put you on the spot i here. do listen to podcasts do to our podcast <laughs> oh i'm sorry just yeah. to our so, podcast answer the question sam <laughs> um pursuant to my fifth amendment rights uh, <laughs> to remain silent. um so, I subscribe to your podcast. He's okay. inflating the numbers. So, um, on our Phenomenon episode, which I hope you listen to at some point, Adam went on this rant about the trees in the movie. Yeah, it's this movie about John Trolley getting psychic abilities. Um, and then our friend came on. He's like, well, the whole thing is about the wind swaying the trees and how it relates to the interconnectedness of life. And he's like, yeah, my dad, as a kid, was obsessed with telekinesis. And this movie changed my life. Like, so I he just dropped this bomb on us that we're still recovering from to today. I don't think that Swordfish had that profound of an effect on me. <laughs> um, in fact, I viewed it pretty superficially the many times that I've watched it. Mm -hmm. It just like it was a movie I saw when I was 10. And I thought it was super cool. It was like one of the, one of the coolest movies I had ever seen. And so every time I watch it, I'm colored by that like nostalgia I have as a kid. Mm -hmm. So I don't know that I've ever really viewed it in anything, any like super serious detail other than this like psycho action movie where John Travolta pulls a machine gun out of the <laughs> trunk of his Porsche and lights up a whole bunch of government workers. Yeah, in the middle of the Los Angeles. In the middle of Los Angeles and nobody notices. Yeah. <laughs> like, what a picture. So, yeah. Okay. I feel like there's going to be a trees moment here. No, it's we're possible. Gonna we're going to have a trees moment. I think we're, we're going to have gonna a trees moment. Okay. okay. So the context corner, Jeff. So the context corner. Um, 
where we're at with John Travolta's career, you know, we just covered Lucky Numbers last week, and thank you folks for listening to that. And Battlefield Earth the week before that. Yes. Uh, an episode we have definitely already recorded. We are not doing anything out of order. Uh, and just, like, here's the thing. Like, yes, he had done some bad movies before Battlefield Earth, but yes. as we stated on our episode of Battlefield Earth, yes. like, this is, like, the Icarus moment. <laughs> this is the moment when he flies too close to the sun. And burns into a crisp. In which he, like, you know, multiple Razzies, like... Tremendous box office it, bomb. I think isn't because um, every, everyone like knows like you know the room is the worst movie ever made, like the best worst movie ever made. Mm. But like to this day, I'm pretty sure Battlefield Earth is given the credit for like worst, the worst highest movie ever made. budget bad mo- worst yeah, movie, like the worst there. high budget movie ever made. It's up there, yeah. What's, if not still content. What's its rating on Rotten Tomatoes? Zero percent. That's 0%. what I thought. John Travolta has three zero percents. Out of uh, the, how many zero percents are there in the world? I think it's like 35. 35 zero percents. And I think he has three. I and think he has that's three. That's nine percent, yeah. <laughs> it's, st- it's staying alive, Battlefield Earth, and Gotti. Oh, Gotti. <laughs> <laughs> Is that the first time we've invoked the name Gotti on this podcast? Because we've been pretty it, good it, about it. About, has. About I a, think it has been the first. We're, we're getting closer. Well, and closer. I may have like mentioned you wearing a Gotti shirt, and you're like, I don't know what you're talking about, and you played that game on me before. Yeah. But yeah, I think the first time you yeah, mentioned well, we're getting God. closer and closer. We have the same birthday, me and Dominic Senna. <laughs> wow. <laughs> what a wonderfully funny and it, fact. And it's Alien Day. <laughs> Alien Day? Yeah, it's um so context corner. This film's directed by Dominic Senna. Um director who had previously mostly done just a lot of music videos. Um You can tell. Yeah. <laughs> his last music video was uh If by Janet Jackson before he got into uh, film directing. Uh his Biggest hit prior to this, which was not a big hit, was uh, Gone in 60 Seconds, the Nick Cage action movie. Not <laughs> terrible. Which lost I'm going to say it. Gone in 60 Seconds is not terrible. It's not the worst. It's not the worst. Yeah. Uh, but it was a big flop. And so it was kind of a surprise that he got this movie afterward. Oh, no, I am going to pause the podcast. Gone in 60 Seconds is actually all right. I'm going to say it. I'm not, I'm it's not all right. arguing with have you. Have you seen it? I have not. Have you seen it? No. Okay, so Gone in 60 Seconds is about Nicolas Cage, who is this, like, very well-known, like, car thief. Like, he's... If you imagine Pig... Steal cars. Steal cars, yeah. <laughs> like, that's almost, like, word for word in the movie. Um, And there's, like, this evil, like, mob guy, which I think is played by... Could it be Tim Ron? I can get this up for you Let me, faster than it's going to take you. Uh, Gone in 60. Robert Duvall is in this. Delroy Lindo is in it, our old friend. Giovanni Rubisi. Rubisi, is he the bad guy in this? He's, I, I think... he's Nick Cage's brother in it. Oh, you're right. But then who's the bad guy in this? Christopher Eccleston. Christopher Eccleston. He is the Stuart, bad guy. stop looking. It's Christopher Eccleston. No, it's not Christopher Eccleston. It's Christopher Eccleston. Doctor Who himself. Okay. Well, so anyway... Um, his brother gets like taken hostage um, by this guy because his brother like ripped off this like mob d- guy for a lot of money, and he says like your brother owes owed, owes me this much money. And Nicholas Cage steps in and he's like, okay, well I'm gonna pay his debt. Like, what do you need? And he like goes over the top. He's like, I need a hundred cars in like twelve hours. Yeah, you're gonna deliver them all to me. And here's a list of cars I need. So he puts together this team with Robert Duvall, Angelina Jolie, and like a bunch of other like semi big hitter cast. And they, like, plan... It's a heist movie, but it's a heist of, like, coordinated carjackings and, car, and mm-hmm. like, um, uh, what's Grand Theft Autos, like, yeah. around... I think it's in Miami or L.A., one of the two. Yeah. Um, 
And it's just like full of like cool like little heist moments, got some action, some car chases. The ending, he like drives a Shelby like Mustang like out right as the sun's rising, and he gets it right at the last second. And there's a, it's cool. I just think it's it's a perfect like fun Michael Bay Con Air esque yeah. like movie. So Stuart's a fan of Gone in sixty seconds. I actually have some decent memories of Gone in sixty seconds. <laughs> so Dominic Senna or Senya, I don't know which pronunciation it is. Um, he goes from that to this immediately after. Like he's shooting this when Gone in sixty seconds comes out. Yeah. Um, this movie's written by Skip Woods, uh, maybe the worst screenwriter in Hollywood. Uh, <laughs> who is? He looks like Mickey Rourke. He looks like he looks like Mickey Rourke, which means he kind of looks like a marshmallow that's been a little burnt over the flame. Uh, <laughs> Jesus Christ! Yeah. This man has written Swordfish, uh, Live Free or Die Hard, Hitman, X Men Origins Wolverine, The A Team, A Good Day to Die Hard, Sabotage, and Hitman Agent Forty Seven. So how does he keep getting jobs? Because uh, Hollywood is a cruel place. Okay. <laughs> no, no need to say more. <laughs> Copy that. Um, but this film is written by Dominic, Dominic Sana. And they're looking, essentially, with this movie to kind of, like, redefine action for the early 2000s. Hmm. Um, this movie, you know, you can tell by the style of it. It's very indebted to The Matrix and then kind of that reinvention of action movies that The Matrix ushers in. I was going to say, like, it didn't really reimagine a lot. It's kind of like Dominic Senya just, like, watched The Matrix and, like, I want to do that shot. I want to do that shot. I want to do this stunt. I want to do this explosion. Mm. Yeah, that that explosion scene in the beginning. Yeah, is The Matrix. Yeah, is 100% The Matrix. I read it was 135 cameras they used. It's the same technique and style they use for that. Yeah. uh, famous matrix shot when neo dodges the bullets where how they had like the synchronizing cameras except the wachowskis know when to cut yeah and, <laughs> and, um, all right that's a good one that, that explosion happens and the ball bearings are flying everywhere and cars are exploding well first even before the explosion the the two swat guys grab that lady out of the bank and she's screaming and, I mean, they're, like, way stronger than her because they're trained to bash doors in mm-hmm. and to, like, literally yeet people all around. And they <laughs> cannot seem to move this lady. So they're dragging her at about two inches per second away from the bank. And that scene just absolutely drags on. So finally, after what feels like four and a half minutes of them getting this lady out of the bank, they finally get her out and she explodes. <laughs> And then that amazing 135 camera synced camera shot happens, and that for like another four and a half minutes <laughs> is just ball bearings, and it actually it completes the loop multiple times. Yeah, it does. And they just keep going in circles, and you're like, okay, we get it. It's exploding. Like this is fun. This is cool. And then Dominic Senna's like, it's not cool enough yet. <laughs> we got we got it. We got it. Run it back. Just do it a couple more times. Make sure the ball bearings really make their way through the cars. Make sure enough people die. And then, finally, it ends with that really not interesting shot of the ball, the bloody bearing rolling towards Hugh Jackman yeah, and him is. seeing his reflection in it. Yeah. Which is just, which is a, I, which they call back to later in the film, and it accomplishes nothing. They accomplish it later in the film, but earlier in the film. Yes, because if, this movie does that like cliche four it's, days it's, earlier. It starts yeah. in meteorite like, <clears throat> and then it just goes back in time. Back in time. How did we get here? Sort mm-hmm. of thing. 
which yeah. is we can pretty much just dive right into the plot on this basically i was gonna say like ba- you basically might as well. like you know, they're trying to capture on like the post matrix wave this is another warner brothers picture who also yeah. did the matrix um they're like let's try and make another movie in that way let's redefine action as like a warner brothers property for this time mm-hmm. like a dominic santa hugh jackman's coming right off of x-men at mm-hmm. this time so he's like young but still cheap yeah he's rising so they get hugh jackman for cheap John Travolta apparently turns this role down six times until what? Dominic Cena yeah. calls him personally and says, here's my pitch for this character. And then if you want to look up, there's some lovely interviews with John Travolta about this movie. Where he's like, he got, he's very hyped up about his character and said quotes such as, um, let me find this. He, he said that his character is not black or white. He's gray. <laughs> that doesn't mean anything. That doesn't mean anything. In it's, fact, his character actually is very black and white because yeah. he, I mean, he says in the film, he's like, we're going to fight terrorism with terrorism. There's no other way. That's not a gray area. Here's That's a, a hardline stance. He's like a Sith. He deals in absolutes. <laughs> here's, here's a quote from John Travolta. John Travolta believes that Gabriel is a man who believes bad things have to be done for the greater good. That's a pretty straightforward black and white clear cut stance. All of his interviews about this movie are him saying very obvious and specific things from the movie as if they are like a revelation. He's that's, like, that's one of his lines in the movie. Yes. <laughs> like that was written for him to say that. Yeah. Like in the, like all of his lines in the movie are very explicit what his goals are. And then the press, John Travolta is like, yeah, I'm playing a really mysterious character. Don't really know where he came from. And then like the movie's like, yeah, he's, he's ex <laughs> He tells you his plan in the first 15 minutes. <laughs> he's a, he's a really bad, like secret criminal. <laughs> he's very bad at his job. I, I kind of, I almost want to like tie it to Castor Troy and face off yeah. a terror. I mean, that is probably the most gray Mm-hmm. villain really and then Joe Travolta's like you know film film repertoire because like Castor Troy it's like does he have like an objective it's like no he just wants to blow shit up mm. like that is all he wants to do he just likes being bad yeah. which is probably the most like grayish there is because <laughs> he doesn't have like a belief system yeah. or like anything like that but this guy clearly has like an objective and a gain yeah and yeah not really gray mm-hmm so the movie starts off. The movie starts off. As we've talked about. And we with it starts off with that. This amazing monologue. <laughs> Didn't we just, and like, I know like, you know, we, we covered lucky numbers in like uh, last week. Isn't that like the same? It starts off with his monologue. Yeah. <laughs> we've now done two with a monologue. Two John. with a monologue now. Where he's like, hi, I'm John Travolta. You're about to watch a terrible movie starring but, me. <laughs> but this one, like, it starts <laughs> Be off. gentle. It starts with like VHS, like like ripples and whatnot yeah cut to like immediate tilt shift image of john travolta with this like uh, soul patch beautiful <laughs> beautiful soul patch should should we get into that already i kind of want to save it yeah let's save it for a let's bit. save it for later yeah we'll get to it later um, but the, he has a, the soul patch he's staring right at the camera and he just says all that shit i started this episode off by saying it, sh- it should be said that like it starts off with like the warner brothers logo with the vhs graininess yeah. but it's also like kind of like it's supposed to be indicative of like like computer screens yeah. from back then and how like pixelated they were yeah. and so it's it's hacking is hacking crazy. man yeah that was lost on me <laughs> i mean i see it now <laughs> but like again i was like 10 i didn't think that yeah hard about what i was looking at yeah, like, what is this like, really like, shitty picture yeah. <laughs> it gets clear. okay and then when it's going through the monologue it's like this weird blurry i have so many thoughts on like the cinematography yeah. of this movie and how it's like color graded yeah. and color corrected and like 
Why does it look like it's shot in Mexico? Uh, why is it green? <laughs> it's like green, but then it's also like this gross orange. Yeah. Yeah. It, it all has the color palette of like, like you said, like of Breaking, like Breaking Bad's Bad Mexico. in Mexico. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, and like the beginning monologue, it's like weird, like blurry. Like it's, it's tilt. It's tilt shift. I was talking uh, with Becca, my girlfriend, also the guest on Pulp Fiction. Um, she was watch. She like was occasionally watching parts of this movie with me, um, and she was like, "Yeah, that's tilt shift." And she kind of explained to me how it works. Like instead of just with, if you wanted to accomplish that effect with a regular lens and camera, you would have to like grab your um, nucleus or whatever your focus pulling thing is, and just like pretty much have a stroke with it okay um but this it's a specific type of lens that like is um i don't can't think of the exact word but distorted so it creates that like in and out effect okay of like constantly shifting between what's in focus and what isn't in focus and everything looks like it's kind of wavy she was saying that we actually used it on the show we work on a few days ago to like show a character's loneliness in a scene Mm. like get in their headspace and that's generally the effect that it's used for in movies right is to accomplish like loneliness or characters like um, frayed mental state. In this one, it's just seemingly to show that John Travolta is crazy. <laughs> yeah, to show as, that he's nuts. As he describes why we why most movies are bad because they're not realistic. He's pretty much like like we said, this movie's calling a shot right off the bat. It's like most movies are unrealistic and bad. This movie's gonna be so realistic. I can't even like. I don't want to skip the through the movie and point out all the unrealistic parts of it. We're just going to get to it and call back this moment. And he's specifically (laughs) talking about dog day afternoon where he's like, those guys weren't real bad guys. You're going to see some real bad guys in this movie. (laughs) Well, it's funny because yeah, he's talking about dog day afternoon, which is about a heist and how he's going to, that heist was bad, right? That's what he's saying. And so he's like, we're going to make a heist that's real, but then they make the hacking terrible and they make the whole need, like, again, why did they go to a bank that's already connected to the internet to steal its money when they could have just done that from anywhere in the world? <laughs> How is that a better heist? And the heist is very poorly executed. It's it very is. poorly executed. They drive, they drive their Hummers right into, the, right into the bank, and then they just strap a bunch of vests on people and immediately lose control of mm. the situation after telling you for the entire movie that he wasn't going to do that. And, and the whole thing said, like, John Trolls is three steps ahead of everyone else. He always knows what's going to happen, and it's all just misdirection, Harry Houdini. But then, like, oh, my very, God, the heavy-handed very clearly Houdini he comments. just, like, locks his way into most of this happening. <laughs> Basically. Like, his, his boy, Vinnie Jones, like, falls out of the back of the bus when it's flying through the air. <laughs> um. So, we... The camera's like slowly pulling yes. back on this monologue, and we yes. see in this meeting that he's like talking to Don Cheadle and Hugh Jackman. Yes, Hugh Jackman's on his side, and Don Cheadle's on the other. Yeah, we don't really get introduced as to what's going on with any of these characters. Just that Travolta and Jackman are holding up this bank with a bunch of hostages with bombs strapped to them. Yeah, because like then like they get up from the the table, and the camera pulls back with them as yeah. they're walking, and then you just see like cut turn around. SWAT like yeah. team like aiming their guns at John Travolta yeah. and then they're like hey like back away guys and he hates holding like the dead man switch yeah. as they like walking across the street back to the bank yeah where we see all the hostages with the bombs um and that's when like 
I think we have that first explosion. Yeah, Hugh Jackman looks concerned about it, but we don't know too much about him. Like, what his involvement is. Like, because yeah. it seems like he's with Travolta. But for some inexplicable reason, they send one of their guys out with one of the hostages just to stand outside. And the SWAT team shoots the guy and grabs the woman with the, with the, the explosive vest and pulls her away. And, and, and Travolta is on a call with Don Cheadle yeah. at the time. And he's like, don't do that. It's like, don't do that. Like, if he, if she gets out of the radius, she's going to explode. It's not my fault. It's your fault. And, like, basically, everyone's, like, the world's largest claymore. <laughs> <laughs> they all have, like, uh, you know, uh, pellets or whatever. It's, yeah. uh, ball bearings. C- C4 attached to their chest with these cylinders of uh, one-inch ball bearings. Yeah. That are, that are act as shrapnel when the bomb goes off. Mm. Yeah. So, of course, the cops don't know that, and they're just trained to, like, get hostages away. Mm-hmm. And they're literally like, no, don't do that, don't do that. And this woman's, like, screaming and trying to get back yeah, into the bank. Yeah, she's trying to get back, and the cops are keeping, like, dragging yeah. her away until eventually, doop. Yeah, she explodes. Explosion. Cops just didn't know what was going on. Like, am I right, guys? And this is a <laughs> massive explosion uh, that can... <laughs> As we said, it's a it's 135 cameras are used for this explosion, and it's base it's shot in the style of that Matrix shot yeah, like where Neo dodges the, the bullets, where it does like a 360 swirl around. Yeah. It does that with like this explosion and like a wider angle yeah. because it's showing all the cars exploding, the glass shattering, the cops getting hit by uh, the shrapnel, and like all the flames. It is apparently the most complicated visual effect in Warner Brothers history at the time. More complicated than the Matrix. <laughs> I, I, I believe that. It's a larger. It it's very it much larger scope. Yeah. And they also they make sure yeah. to show you the power of of the explosion. Yeah. And they they are constantly showing you the ball bearings going punching through metal and, and ripping things apart. And the shock. You're wave, seeing yeah. like glass. It's a lot of things going on. There's a lot of business. Yeah. A lot of things. Explosion. And I I have that written down in the later notes, especially when they talk about like hacking terms. Mm-hmm. And the things like 12-bit encryption, 128-bit encryption, 1,024-bit yeah. encryption, and all yeah. worms, ciphers, hydras. And I'm just like, these are all just words that yes. don't mean anything <laughs> at all. <laughs> and that's like, this movie, there's yeah. so many things that don't really mean uh, anything and, at all. And so that explosion happens, and then we cut back four days earlier. Four days earlier, which... Does it, anybody like that trope? It was at this point when I wrote in my notes, a best movie ever, question mark. Because <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, this thing's already insane. I'm going to love it. Um, and we're with this guy at an airport. Yes. Who's getting off the plane. Let me, let me, this guy has a He's complicated a, a name. He's a Finnish guy who seems to speak only German. German. <laughs> yeah. The guy's name is Axel Torvalds. The, the uh, character's name, not the actor. And he is a hacker. He's a hacker who gets stopped in the airport because for some baffling reason, knowing he has to go through customs, he keeps an extra passport. (laughs) With a fake name. With a fake name inside of his briefcase. And that's how he gets caught. Yeah. And so he, like, tries to run off with his suitcase and whatnot. And he's immediately caught by the TSA. Or TSA didn't exist at that point. No, he's caught by the federal marshals. And then they're interrogating don Cheadle comes in to interrogate him and at some point there's someone uh the guy who plays ethan in lost he yeah. he pretends to be someone else and he calls don Cheadle out of the room and then he enters the two-way glass which <laughs> for some again baffling reason is not bulletproof <laughs> and he 
kills yeah, yeah, Axel, kills Torvalds, Axel Torvalds. before he can give up any more of the very little information that he's already given Don Cheadle about uh, uh, John Travolta. Yeah, uh, Gabriel Schreer. <laughs> John Travolta's this is John Travolta's villain name. Gabriel. By the way, the guy Axel Torvalds. Yeah. Uh, I was I recognize that actor from something. Rudolph and I, Martin. I I just like I found out what it was. He plays like one of this like multi season villain in NCIS <laughs> 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 who kills one of the main key characters like all like very abruptly, like mm. suddenly. It was like a like I don't know, like they it was like a hostage situation or something and like Gibbs and Kate, I think her name is, played by this actress who later went on to play the teacher in Shameless that Lip yeah. has an affair with. Um, and he shoots her in the head, yeah. yeah. And But he's like this big bad villain from like season three that goes all the way to like season six of NCIS. <laughs> and like him and Gibbs have like I'd, a rivalry. I've never seen an episode of NCIS. And this is all gibberish to me, what you're saying. It's good to know this movie did a lot for his career. <laughs> yeah, I know, right? <laughs> Comes off of his two. Well, I just like I thought he was pretty good in that NCIS role. Yeah. Like I just, but I recognize. I'm like, where do I know that guy from? Like, oh yeah, he <laughs> this was that movie has, from NCIS. This movie has a lot of like, oh that guy, oh that <laughs> guy, yeah. <laughs> uh, like, like I said, Vinnie Jones pops up in this movie and has one line or something like that. And you know, Vinnie Jones is going to work with Halle Berry and uh, Hugh Jackman again in X Men: The, the Last, Last Stand. Stand. <laughs> so let me out here. I got to pay. I'm the juggernaut, Not bitch. <laughs> uh, but yeah, after he gets caught, there's uh, there's like an oil mine scene yes. where we see this. Well, uh, for, first, I just want to emphasize in that scene where Axel gets gets uh, shot and whatnot, um, we're introduced to Don Cheadle, who is the investigator who's hunting down Gabriel. Yeah. But he doesn't know that he's hunting down Gabriel. He knows he's hunting down somebody. He's like at, in charge of hunting down hackers. <laughs> Yeah, that's like his like task force, I guess. Well, he says he was removed from the task force because he shot a guy's hand so he couldn't hack anymore. And I was like, I'm a lone wolf now. I'm hunting down people for the FBI by myself. He's a a lone wolf who shows up with an entourage (laughs) everywhere he goes. Like, listen, uh, he gets suspended for that shit. (laughs) I'm not going to... Realism, bitch! (laughs) Yeah. He shoots someone in the hand. He doesn't lose his badge. Well, he loses his, his position, but they still keep oh, him on. Oh gosh! He's, does he still carry a gun in the FBI? Yes. Well, he okay. tries to. He tries to shoot Axel. He threatens to shoot Axel. Really? Um, but he leaves the room to answer a phone call from us from his director, and that's when uh, John Travolta's like secret agent, like double agents, kill uh, Axel through the through the, the, bul- the non bulletproof glass. glass. The non bulletproof yeah. glass. Right before then, we hear Axel discloses that. You know, John Travolta is not the guy you find. He finds you. Yeah. Which is, you know, the best Hollywood trope. <laughs> and then, you know, he doesn't know anything about the guy. Um, the guy doesn't deal with him directly. There's always like a middleman. And he just basically gives him nothing yeah. in this room. Um, and then it's, of course, you know, they build up the the suspense of how badass John Travolta's character yeah. is by saying, you know, like, if I say anything else, he's going to kill me. And that's the yeah. thing that's interesting about this is like. There's a lot of buildup to John Travolta like as this mysterious figure in this these sections. Like it, it kind of feels like one of the like a James Bond movie where they're like kind of building up like you know your Blofeld or your Silver or whatever like well, it's to like the reveal. He's supposed to be like a Kaiser Sose yeah. like figure. The, the problem is all this buildup. We've already met the guy. He's <laughs> in the he's the opening shot of the movie. Mm-hmm. It's and him. It, I guess. I mean, it does somewhat lend because that opening yeah. monologue is somewhat mysterious, and yeah. it does somewhat lend to that. 
But when we're actually introduced to him in the film, he's pretty normal. Pretty, pretty normal. He's pretty clear cut about his goals. <laughs> yeah, because then um, after Halle Berry brings Jackman to Travolta, like yeah. there isn't anything about him where it's like like the reveal for him isn't like there's the guy camera cuts to back of the head hair flip travolta mm. like none of that he's just, just at a table it's just he's just at a table <laughs> like oh no, at a club like you want to go and, and this movie is full of let's talk somewhere else moments yes <laughs> <That's> why, <laughs> why? <laughs> we just have to <laughs> that's my favorite bit when they're at this like it's like a nightclub and he's like well like uh so all right i agree to the deal so what is it and it's like Let's go to my house. <laughs> they go to his house, and then like he's like, I don't know what's going on with this plan. Let's go for a ride. <laughs> like, there's so many of these like let's talk somewhere else moments. Yeah. Like, you don't if you don't feel comfortable talking to your house. Like, where do you feel comfortable mm. talking, my dude? Come on. Mm. Um, and then are we at the oil mine scene? Yeah, we're introduced to John to uh, Hugh Jackman ha- and Halle Berry and Halle Berry in the same scene. Uh, playing Stanley Jobson and Ginger Knowles, <laughs> which are real names that real people have. Not Steve Jobs. <laughs> it's Stanley Jobson. <laughs> <laughs> That's really <laughs> I never even thought about that. <laughs> uh, well, like the guy who's like uh, Axel torvund is supposed to be like like first off it's like axel rose and like linux linus torvald who is the guy who created the linux operating system or linux operating system or something so there's a lot of these like little computer which none of these guys were hackers (laughs) they were just computer (laughs) manufacturers steve jobs oh like just created a good company like a big company <laughs> yeah and profitable like, business one the other got linux guy created like a, a good os system Wait, Stuart, are you saying it's a linux system it's a linux system <laughs> i know this <laughs> i know this <laughs> we gotta close the door come the raptors on, are coming come on lex the door <laughs> i can shoot it no <laughs> you can't hold it by yourself <laughs> They're coming through the glass. <laughs> oh. Don't. Jurassic Park. Yeah, good, good movie. fucking movie. <laughs> um, you know what's great about Jurassic Park? <laughs> what they take an unrealistic concept and make it realistic. Yes. As opposed to taking a realistic concept and adding a cube for some fucking <laughs> reason. Or taking a realistic concept and adding John Travolta to it. <laughs> yes. So anyway, uh, <laughs> Halle Berry mm. drives up in this like is she driving like a red Ferrari yeah, or something a Porsche like or something like a sports car? It's some car. expensive rich people car. Yeah, she comes out in this like very showy red dress. The camera's immediately showing her ass. Yes. like uh, almost immediately, I wrote yeah. down like okay, so Halle Berry's a sex piece in yeah. this movie. The, this this movie draws the strangest correlation between sex and hacking, and like this. I don't know even what the in- intent is, but the movie's trying to basically, from what I can say, be like sex and hacking are the same thing. They're all about penetrating the system because <laughs> I mean, that's a pretty deep take. <laughs> like, <laughs> no, like straight up, every time there's a hacking scene, it's shot so sexually. There's always women with like uh, licorice or like lollipops or something that they're sucking on. Dudes are always like, yeah, I'm going to go hard on it. They like happen, like rapidly type on a computer. <laughs> And it starts from this scene onward. And also, like, not to, like, perpetuate stereotypes, but, like, hackers are not Hugh Jackman. No. Can we disagree to that right now? It's not the Hugh Jackman types or 
for the love of God, if anyone else like shows me a live for your die hard picture with Justin Long as a hacker, I'm gonna lose my shit. <laughs> like these are not hackers, guys. John uh, John Travolta's look in this movie, in terms of like the soul patch and the hair, is what I would imagine a hacker to look like. Don't bring that up quite yet. <laughs> I, can't. I think the only person who credibly looks like a hacker is the guy they kill after <laughs> yeah. he's on screen for three minutes. Honestly, <laughs> he's the Axel yeah. Torvald is the only believable hacker in this film. No respectable human, let alone a hacker, would have an earring like that. <laughs> and yet Hugh Jackman wears it for the entire film. There's there's some this movie's a great reminder as to like what a, a, a cultural wasteland. <laughs> what a time, time two thousand and one was. Yes. <laughs> Uh, so she shows up in her sports car, red dress. She and we see Travolta playing golf in like this oil. Hugh Jackman playing golf. Who did I say? You said Travolta. Hugh Travolta. <laughs> yeah. uh, Hugh Jackman. Uh, they're basically the same guy. No, um, playing golf, and he's supposed to be like bad at it. Yeah. And Halle Berry comes up and like talks to him about, uh, "Hey, my boss knows who you are and once has a deal for yeah. you and it's like i'm not in that business anymore like she's I, like we were working with axel torvold but he's not uh, around anymore <laughs> yeah our other guy got caught or whatever yeah. so we you know we're you're we hear you're the next best like hacker or whatever yeah and we get a bunch of business exposition about yeah. Travol- uh jackman's life um in the sense that like jackman was recently put away for 18 months 18 months because he hacked a uh, an FBI carnivore program, yes. which was about. Was, and here's the funny thing: they were listening in to people's like phone calls and emails and spying on American citizens. Yeah. And this is like two months before 9/11 happens, yes. when the creation of NSA. And you know, that was like that was a little part of the it movie. Was pretty like, forward thinking. I was like, okay, okay. what's so, real, realism, guys? Realism, realism. <laughs> Uh, so it, it, they set him up as like this Robin Hood like hacker yeah. guy who like hacks for the people. You yes. might say, um, he's like, I did what I thought was right. You know, exposing the FBI carnivore program, which still ended up being a thing yes. later on. Like they said, like he he put it back two years, mm. is what um, Don Cheadle says yeah. at one point. Still comes back though. So yeah, uh, we learned that Jackman was put away for that hacking. He uh, lost his daughter in like a. Uh, a custody divorce, battle. Custody yeah. battle. Because he went to prison. With his wife, it, who now it, works for a, is now is married, married to a porn and works producer. for a porn producer. Yes. Um, who is like just insert lazy, uh, non-attentive mom. Yes. <laughs> in the screenplay, that's what it is. She's in like two scenes, and all of her shots involve her smoking a cigarette and in drink, a bathrobe. And, <laughs> in a bathrobe and drinking like a half glass of vodka. Yeah. But like a big glass. Yeah. <laughs> I just didn't understand the relevance of that plot point. Yeah. Like there was no need. This film is so no. hypersexualized yeah. for absolutely no reason. Yeah. And they were just sitting there in the writing room and someone was like, you know what? What if, what if we the ex-wife was married to the porn king of yeah. Los Angeles? <laughs> And they they just they started clapping and they said, you know what? That is the greatest idea I've ever heard. You know what the stakes are going to be for this Jackman character? What if his daughter grows up and does porn for her stepdad? <laughs> That's literally what the stakes are for Jackman in this. It's like yes, it's like he wants to have his daughter back, and like yes, he like doesn't have a lot of money. But ultimately, what it comes down to, Halle Berry even says it in the movie, which is like, oh, well, is she going to grow up and do movies for her daddy? <laughs> I'm like, oh god. <laughs> and those are literally the stakes for this movie yes. for Jackman is that. He's like, my daughter does porn or I go to jail. And like the whole like outrageousness of like, you know, because 
after like he like denies Halle Berry's offer um, for the first time, and then he like he kicks her out of his trailer, and then he is in his trailer and he gets on the phone with his ex-wife who is that's where we first see her like in bed in a bathrobe smoking a cigarette drinking vodka saying you'll never see your daughter again just like very like you know like i watched a marriage story (laughs) like (laughs) i know how like divorces work um but also how black and white that is Mm -hmm. and how this is just a very bad easily bad mob it's not like their phone call went like uh, what's Hugh Jackman's name in this movie? Uh, Stanley. So Stanley it's like Jobson. It's like it isn't like <laughs> hey Stan. Like we talked about this. You talk to your lawyer. He'll talk to my lawyer. We'll work out a thing where we can work some like you know custody things. Maybe you can see her on the weekend. Or no, Stanley, you can't see your daughter. You fought with alcohol for a few years. Like I really think she just stayed. No, it's like you'll never see your daughter ever again. Yeah. <laughs> like she doesn't want to see you. Mm. And I'm like, oh, okay, <laughs> cool. Uh, and then Jackman opens up his trailer again. Halle Berry's still there. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's like, what are you still doing here? And she happens to know everything about his life. Yeah. Like, I don't, whether she was eavesdropping in the trailer or she yeah. just knows. But she just repeats the exposition that we just yeah. learned from that phone call. Yeah, after she, after he shoves her out of his yeah. No, he yeets her. He, like, he picks he, her he, up and throws her. <laughs> yeah. Of his building. And then she hands him a... An envelope it's like with a hundred thousand dollars, and then he opens it, and there's forty thousand in there, and he's supposed to be, <laughs> he's supposed to be really, really, he's like a super smart hacker, and he sees four stacks of ten thousand dollars, and just says, "That's a hundred grand, perfect." <laughs> it's very strange. And then Clearly yeah, the then she, she says, "You know, this is the mo- you know, you can use this money right now and hire a lawyer, but they're just going to pay four times as much." Yeah, which is like totally arbitrary. And so this money now is just to meet with him. And he's like, who is this guy that you work for? And she says, he exists in a world beyond your world. <laughs> Which, again, means nothing. <laughs> and, Listen, and, we and, know The Matrix was good, guys. <laughs> and so I remember there's it, this is like a cross-cut sequence where it's like cutting between um, Hugh Jackman and Halle Berry talking and then John Travolta arriving at a nightclub. And then the FBI, like Don Cheadle and all of them, like dealing with the dead and Axel Torvalds, <laughs> just being like, what is going on with this guy? Who is he? Yeah. When there's also some business with a senator that doesn't last long. Yeah. This, well, this was the weird part about it was like, who was John? Who who was Gabriel? Like, is he like a terrorist? Is he a gang leader? A, is he a, a mob boss? US, I mean, we'll get to it at the end. We'll we get to it at the end, but it was just this weird like business with him and the senator. Like, I get it. I don't know. I, I had a lot of um, it'd be one thing we talked about this before, but um, Broken Arrow. Yes. The little information we get about John Travolta is a bad guy in that movie. Like works because yes. we don't care. Like we obviously don't care. But this movie tells us that we have to care mm-hmm. about Gabriel and we have to care about what it, what who he is and what his motives are. But it yeah. changes all the fucking time. Yeah. So, yeah, the senator bit was a little yeah, the so- senator bit just sets up the super fun Porsche car chase scene in 40 minutes, <laughs> but serves to advance, does not advance the plot whatsoever. Not at all. Because it actually, in a way, it undermines Gabriel's character because he's we not think boss. He's not the boss. Right. We, he starts off the movie as the boss, and then, you know. We sort of learn about his mysterious qualities over the next, like, 20 minutes of the film as we meet all the other characters. And then we just find out that he's not even running the operation. Mm -hmm. And you're like, wait a second. What's the point of that? Like, why is there someone else involved? Yeah. Yeah. 
So, so <laughs> yeah, because like the senators, Sam Shepard plays the center. He's just like, he's like, oh, there's so much craziness that a hacker got killed. We got to contact our guy, and then we don't see him again for like 20 minutes <laughs> until he dies. But um, Hugh goes to meet with Travolta, goes to meet with John at a nightclub. Yeah, and what a scene this is! <laughs> what a scene this is! <laughs> this is a scene that takes the cake for. I mean, we're, we're going to keep in mind that Halle Berry will be topless later in the film, <laughs> but this is the scene that takes the cake for the hypersexualization of this film for yeah. absolutely no reason mm-hmm. whatsoever. So, so Jackman walks in uh, into this into this like private den area a, of this a, nightclub. Like, the, the lighting of this club. See. I'm actually kind of a fan of how this movie looks. I, I like the cinematography of this movie, like just the colors. It's a very Michael Mann like influenced look for this movie. Okay. Um, and it actually uses the same cinematographer that Michael Mann will use in Collateral a few years later. Another very good movie. It's a good movie. Uh, Call's a great movie. <laughs> we should talk about Collateral. <laughs> but, so this is now a Tom Cruise themed podcast. Yeah, what if we, we segue from one Scientologist <laughs> to another? <laughs> Jeez. We just do cruise. We just do uh, cruise control. I can't keep talking about Scientology. <laughs> we have to call cruise control. And we talk about Tom Cruise, um, but no. Um, so th- this movie, in both its what I said about this movie is that in both its aesthetics and its thematics, it's trying to be a Michael Mann movie. It's like a late stage, like your Black Hats, Miami Vices, Collateral, but it doesn't have any of the humanism that Michael Mann puts into his movies. So it just ends up being like this very aggro like movie about hackers and like the systems of society with no human element to it. And that's how we get a scene like this. Yeah, this nightclub where he mm-hmm. walks into this like private area where Travolta and his like gangs and yeah. girls are all hanging out. And, you know, they're talking. And he's like, yeah, so um, what does he say? He was like, yeah, so I know this like we... I was told it's like this DOD mainframe, like hacker key or whatever. It takes like 60 minutes to hack. And Jackman's like, oh, yeah. Like, yeah, he, he says the, the best hackers in the world couldn't hack this in an hour. Yeah. You're going to do it in 60 seconds. You're going to do it in 60 seconds. And, and then in comes random lady number one is written in the yes. script. <laughs> well, there, right before this are, like Jeff mentioned earlier, a series of uh, women who we believe are, you know, strippers are you know ladies of the night sucking on lollipops in the corner yes <laughs> so seductively yeah and Charles like snaps his finger one of them comes over and like puts her hand, puts her elbow on uh jackman's shoulder and then he turns the computer Charles turns the computer around and is like you have to do it in one minute and jackman's like what and then got <laughs> vinnie jones pulls out a gun and points at a at a jackman's head and this woman just starts sucking on Jackman's dick and giving him a blowjob at the same time. So he was like, Let, let's just set the stage here. Jackman goes to meet Travolta. Travolta has a job offer, but he's not telling him what the job offer is. He just gives him this impossible hacking job to do. Just hack the government in he one says, minute. He says, hack the government in one minute. By the way, we're going to hold a gun to your head, and I'm going to have one of my workers give you a blowjob yeah. during that. So, so it's ja- all about like the rush of hacking like can, if it's sex. Can we just talk about like Jackman's performance during this <laughs> he's, scene? He's like, oh God. <laughs> like, literally he's like trying to like hack and he's, he's like getting access denied, access denied. And Travolta, I will say like a good thing about Travolta is he's the best like villain, suspenseful like villain like line delivery yeah. guy. It is the way he delivers his he's lines. Like, 30. Yeah. 20. 
19. Yeah. <laughs> and he just keeps like counting down and he's like, oh, access tonight, access tonight. I have never seen more sweat on screen. When it starts. With Jackman here then since Danny Yalo and Do the Right Thing. That's <laughs> the sweatiest cinema has been in 10 years. Yeah, it's when it, when it starts and he first starts getting the blowy and he's confused and you just got, you know, he's got his watch up and he's like, that's 55 seconds, Stan. <laughs> and you're like, and just the way he's so calm, like Philip Seymour yeah. Hoffman in Mission Impossible 3. Yeah. And you're just like, all right, so this dude is cold-blooded. Like, that's cool. Yeah. And then you know, he says it again. Well, that's 50 seconds, Stan. And he still has no idea what's going on. And then he proceeds to, I don't know if you've ever, like, tried to type with a cat on your lap. <laughs> <laughs> You know what I mean? But it's like really, really hard to keep your elbows elevated. And I mean, I, I don't know how to hack, but like type that fast at the same time. And that's like essentially what's happening here. And, and the, the thing that's fun is Jackman like very clearly is not typing the keys that are appearing on the screen. Of course not. Well, they show an insert of him and his fingers are touching multiple keys at the same time. And, if, and the clicks... Don't match the don't screen. match the amount of text that's appearing on the screen, <laughs> which it never does. And I get that like some things we just have to accept for what they are. But this is one of the most egregious displays of this, hacking in the world. This movie is very specifically about hacking. <laughs> don't get the hacking right. Yeah, and so he's like uh, uh, constantly trying to like get into this mainframe and getting accident and accident denied until eventually he runs out of time mm-hmm. and. Uh, What's his name? Vinny. Vinny Jones. Vinny Jones like pulls the trigger, but it's it's, it's empty. It's there's empty. N- there's no bullets. There's no bullets in there. And he's like, and they all start I'm laughing. just joking with you. <laughs> but then we see he actually succeeded he at succeeded. hacking into the government in one minute. Well, like he here's the thing that was confusing because they do bring this moment back. Yes. With, with like the bank robbery scene and like to me, it's like I kind of took it as he failed. Like he he couldn't get it in sixty seconds. He got it in sixty one. Yeah. Seconds. Because it was, like, right after his last attempt when he pulls the trigger. And then, like, it's like, uh, click, access granted, like, yeah. after the 60 seconds. To be fair, he does nothing for 15 of those seconds. It's <laughs> true. He says, like, what's going on? And she's like, why is this one? <laughs> like, yeah. Uh, and, and this is this is kind of a small thing for me. But they don't, like, clearly show Jackman getting finished. Mm. Like, he just, like... He breathes like a sigh of relief, and then like the woman like lifts up her head, and he like zips up his pants. But like there isn't like ever like a access granted. Yes, <laughs> like yeah. there isn't like a little pause yeah. where he like orgasms or anything. So like, yeah. I don't know if like he was even hard during yeah. that. He's just very sweaty, <laughs> you know. Because yeah, like the orgasm for Hugh Jackman are the the friends he made along the way. <laughs> 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 well, like not to bring back an older episode, but Carrie. Yes. There's a blowjob scene in Carrie. Yes. With John and, Travolta. With John Travolta. And let me... He's hooting and hollering in that scene. He's hooting and hollering in that one. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm pretty sure, I'm looking back at the notes, bringing up, is is there an orgasm moment there? You absolutely have notes. About, oh my God, look at how big your notes used to be. How yeah, long? I know, right? Um, a lot of good things, blah, 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 blah. Evangel phenomenal. Blowjob scene. She keeps saying his name while doing it. That's right. I remember that bit. I remember, remember like yeah. in Carrie when she was like giving him head, but she keeps saying his name, yeah. and I had this whole weird thing about it where it's like, what, what was the name of that movie? It's like Carrie. No, what his name in that? <laughs> oh, uh, it's I like Tommy or something. Tom, Tommy or J- something Jack or something like that. 
Uh, it, we, we it, need... it doesn't matter. It doesn't no, matter. it does matter <laughs> okay. because this is important. Mm-hmm. Uh, I need Billy. So yeah. it's because it's like you just see like the the back of her head, hair wise, like receding and going back down, like as if it he's she's giving him a blowjob. But you, then you just hear Billy, Billy, just <laughs> like constantly yeah. because she's trying to like tell him like to hurt and ruin yeah. Carrie's life. Yes, for the whole detention thing. It's crazy. Cut to this scene yes. with Jackman, and he succeeds. And he succeeds. Um, so then Travolta hires him, and he says, "We'll pay you ten million dollars total if you help us recover nine point five billion in government funds." Well, and where he doesn't say that at the nightclub though, because like after that scene, like Jackman like walks away, and Halle yeah. Berry like chases him down. He's like, "What the fuck was that? You didn't have my back back there, or whatever." And like, oh, they're in the bathroom. And I, this is another hyper-sexualized moment because, like, he runs to the bathroom and he's, like, freaking out and Halle Berry chases him into the bathroom and they're, like, talking about this. Like, you didn't have my back back there. I'm in too deep with this. I can't go back to jail. And then these two guys walk in and they just start making out in yeah. the bathroom. To get them to leave. Why? Like, wh- is it, like, too weird that a man and a woman would be talking in the bathroom but not weird if they were making out in the yes. bathroom? That seems to make it weirder to me. Right. Because it's the men's room. It's the men's I mean, room. It is a nightclub, though, and people yeah. do the hanky-panky in nightclub bathrooms, you know? Yeah. Yeah, that makes sense. But also, like, if I walked into a men's bathroom in a nightclub and I saw, like, a, a dude and a girl talking, I would still just, like, go to the urinal and, like, you know, be like, oh, this is fine. This is normal. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that's a good point. I mean... It, They'd just be quiet, and they yeah. wanted, I'd be like, oh, we shouldn't talk about our terrorist hacking scam in front of these people. But no, instead, it's like, oh, my God, these two guys walk in, make out, yeah. and that's that's their that's their cover-up. And then the two guys who are, like, probably last-minute day player hires, they're, like, 96 and 97 on the call sheet, yeah. this will walk in. They're like, oh, like, we should give these guys some privacy, and they, like, walk out, and they're all, like, mm. nervous-y acting. And, you know, going off of how Matrix inspired this movie is, which it- insane amount i'm pretty sure this is just the club that neo goes to at the beginning of the first <laughs> matrix it's playing the same kind of music except for it, there's no dragula playing in this club which is That's my favorite right. thing about the matrix the club's playing dragula rob's on <laughs> oh my gosh yeah but it's pretty much the same kind of music it looks like the same club it's the same vibe it might be the same set to be might honest very much they might just held it over from the, from the stage uh, like imagine they shot it on a stage or whatever and yeah. they just built the nightclub and from the matrix and they kept that set open yeah. like, hey we'll just use a set that they used I mean, they wouldn't have had to hold on to it for that long because the Matrix would have only just come out two years before. Yeah, mm-hmm. maybe it might be the same club. You know, if I was Warner Brothers, like <laughs> if I, Warner Brothers just has one club they use in every movie. <laughs> honestly, though, that might be a thing. They might be. Yeah. Like, we just have like a basic nightclub set that where any of our movies needs to use a nightclub. Like we have one, and it's, it's, it's the same nightclub they use in The Dark Knight, and the scene where Eric Roberts uh, gets taken <laughs> by Batman, where his wife's like, "I can't we each other talk," and he's like, "What makes you think, think I, I want to hear you, you talk. talk?" And then Batman comes in and punches him and throws him off the building. <laughs> The fall won't kill me. I'm considering. I'm counting on it. <laughs> uh, so anyway, he like goes back to Travolta. Jackman does yeah, and says like, "All right, I'm, I, in. I, I'm in." And he's like, "Okay, I'll help you get your daughter back." Like, what's the deal? It's like, let's go somewhere else. <laughs> Cut to his house, yes. his mansion. Uh, and Travolta's that's not so secret lair. That not everyone so secret. Knows it's like clearly on a mountain in LA, LA where you can definitely like see it. And yeah. they, they hold their meetings in front of the big glass windows or outside <laughs> yeah. where, you know, the, the camera FBI can get immediately better gets better shot. Of them all. Yeah. 
I yeah, thought that was so cool when I was a kid. You know, they're up there and they're taking the pictures. Mm. And then it snaps to the last one. And it's just John Travolta looking straight into the lens of this camera yeah. that's a mile away. And I was like, this, this movie's so bad. I'm like, this dude knows I'm what's like, going on. He's knows. so many steps ahead that he doesn't even <laughs> care. It's like the Jason Bourne moment when he's like talking to the CIA person yeah. on the phone. He's like, where will we? It's like, well, I'm not in the office right now. It's like, yeah, you are. Your assistant just walked out. Click. <laughs> and it's like, oh shit! Jason Bourne was watching her Je- the whole time. Jesus Christ! It's Jason Bourne. Gets Except in that he film, he's like, he's not really not that far away. He's on like the building across the street <laughs> with a rifle. You know what I mean? Like, these cops are like across this valley with a super telephoto lens, and he just happens to look specifically where that house is, right down the barrel of that camera. <laughs> That's good shit, it's man. So absurd. <laughs> so, the, and that's when he tells them about like the whole deal about um, okay, uh, they show him like this supercomputer room, yes, with all these screens. Like this is where we're gonna hack into it's this forty bank million and, dollar computer. And you're gonna plant a hydra, like a series of worms, not just one worm. You're gonna plant a hydra. <laughs> I don't even know. What, I don't know what worms are. <laughs> what? And now you're adding another layer. Well, that's why. That's what I wrote down later in this movie. It's like there's just a lot of things and words that are useless, like. Hydra, 12-bit encryption, 128-bit encryption, worms and hydras and firewalls. You have to go into this movie with a basic knowledge of hacking seemingly to understand it. Or or you have to go into this movie with zero hacking knowledge because if you do, it, none of it's going to make any sense. Mm-hmm. Like if I, at least for me, it's like, well, Hydra sounds like a big hacking thing. Yeah, I mean, it's a worm with a bunch of heads. It's like, okay, yeah. I see. It's clearly more powerful than a regular worm. Yeah, right. It's not a bug. It's yeah. not a worm. It's a Hydra. And then above a Hydra is a Chimera. Yeah. But right, right before this, he explains that We're... the DEA has been sitting on $400 million for this covert operation they had been running in the 80s. Called Operation Swordfish. Yes. Dun, dun, dun. Never saw that coming. <laughs> um, and then, obviously, now it's been 15 years, and it's nine and a half billion dollars. <laughs> we still don't know what he wants this money for. We just know that he wants it. Yeah. And then, of course, Let's I was talk about the exchange rate on that. <laughs> I was reading some trivia this morning, and and I I read that one of the goofs in this film is that in order to achieve nine and a half billion dollars <laughs> off of 400 million in in 15 years you would need a 21 percent interest rate, rate, yeah. rate of return <laughs> which would be impossible given the economic climate of the 80s and the 90s and what we really should have expected was more of a six percent rate of return which have resulted in about 980 million dollars <laughs> about 10 percent of what this yeah. film is whole like predicated on for for every dollar that, <laughs> that can he, i just like give an applause for the math on it? <laughs> <laughs> but like the thing that i don't understand is when when they were writing this movie, they were just like, what seems like a decent amount of time for $400 million to become $10 billion? And again, they would just started throwing out ideas. One guy was like, I don't know, what, 15 years? That, that sounds right, right? Like, okay. And they said, you know, that's a, good, that's a good amount of time. The DEA wasn't doing anything in the 60s. They, it only would have happened in the 80s. And then mm. it's just for no reason we have this limited window in which this money grows. Yeah. And also, like, they're just casually like, they could have made the number higher. They like could they have made just the been number like, higher. Yeah, the government had five billion. It's now ten billion. Instead of the absurd logic jump of four hundred million dollars becoming nine point five billion in a bank, and the DEA just forgot about oh, it. Oh, see, <laughs> see, I kind of like, I kind of like that it starts at four hundred million because mm-hmm. that to me that's like a paltry number to the federal yeah. government. So that that seems forgettable to me. Yeah. 
Whereas five billion, if they started yeah. at five billion, that would seem a little bit that would take us out of the sheer realism that is this film. Yes. Whereas the four hundred million dollars growing seems like something like, oh, okay, it was an accounting error and we just forgot about that bank account. Oh my god, look, it's full of cash. Mm. But they could have also just made the time a little bit longer. Yes. They could have made it way more reasonable. They could have been like, yeah, they put it in there in the fifties. Yeah. Something like that. Yeah. Um <laughs> <laughs> uh, so it's at that point I'm like just starting to write my general thoughts on the on, on the movie movie so yeah. far, which kind of goes with the whole like useless words and yeah. things that don't make any sense. Uh, the lighting and design of the film, uh, a lot of green. Everything's like tinted slightly green and orangey it's red. Very Michael Mann. It is very Michael Mann, but it's, there's it's, like it's very Heat, Thief, Collateral. And there, there, there's there was a specific scene where Don Cheadle is talking to these like technicians and they see uh, uh, camera security camera footage from the airport. Yeah. And like the room that they're in is lit with like these green bulbs mm. and like there's like a weird like moody lighting. And I'm just thinking like this is an FBI office, right? Yeah. <laughs> like, why is this like the lighting choice for a scene like this? It's like, oh, well, it's like tech guys and they're all like, you know realism technology well, is cool and green well, and, and we all know that it departments use nothing but fluorescent lighting yes. it's awful <laughs> in there right so when, when it comes to something like that i don't mind that and i prefer like the movie just making a look happen than trying to accomplish realism as long as it's consistent like if it was just one scene in the movie that looked like that i'd be like eh. but when you just make the whole movie these like abrasive like fluorescent greens and oranges and whatnot I'm like, okay, so they picked a look and they're sticking with it for this movie. They want it to look matrixy and computery for whatever reason. Which is weird because so little of it takes place on a computer. Yes. Less than, yeah. than six minutes of the film mm -hmm. is actually computers. Yeah. And really, five minutes of that is the hacking montage we're about to see. <laughs> yes. Right. This movie's all about hackers. There's actually not that much hacking going. So little hacking. <laughs> so I think it's at this point that... It's the next day. Uh, Jackman walks out into the pool, and Halle Berry's there, just topless. Yes. Why? She, she's reading a book, and she lowers the book, and she's topless. Why? Why? Because um, she's no sunbathing? Reason. Halle Berry, supposedly. She says this is not true, but the rumor mill in Hollywood continue to perpetuate it, so it might be true, who knows, uh, that she got paid an extra half a million dollars to be topless in that one scene. Like she got a two million dollar paycheck for this movie, and it was two point, and they added an extra point five for the topless scene. I'm just so I didn't know she was topless in the scene because, like I I had said before, I've seen this movie probably ten times on TBS. Yes, <laughs> um, and of course, you know you can't show that. And it was only like later that I was like on the internet one day, and I was honestly probably looking at things about Swordfish because I thought it was the <laughs> coolest movie of all time, and I stumbled across this Google image, and it was the actual Halle Berry shot, but she was topless. And I was like, wait, what? And then I wouldn't, I mean, it would be years before I actually saw the movie, not on TBS, where I would see it the way it was actually shot. Mm -hmm. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, so Holly Berry, yes. she has her boobs out yeah, in this movie. And she, what does she do, tell him to do? She's like, she says she, something about his well, family. She he, tells him that if he, he needs to borrow like her car, yes, because oh, he wants he's to go, go see his daughter. his daughter. Yeah, and then she says, if you're going to go visit your daughter, you might want to think about a change in wardrobe. Just saying, because <laughs> he's wearing the same clothes like yes. from before. Like, and he, uh, he does spruce up a little bit. 
Yeah, yeah he gets that nice jacket that he'll yeah. subsequently tear <laughs> in a six and a half minute scene where he rolls down the side of the. <laughs> I have a, a lot of thoughts about that. <laughs> that they that I learned that that hill they rolled down they shot at three different locations. For that <laughs> hill. I mean, no, there isn't a hill in the world that's that tall. <laughs> no. Okay, so right before this, the FBI gets the pictures of them on the rooftop. And Don Cheadle was the one who put away Jackman like two years prior. Yeah. And so he's like, this guy's in on this. We're going to pick him up. And so, so Jackman goes and sees his daughter. Yeah, he picks her up at school. Which beforehand, his daughter gets out of school and her mom's clearly not there to pick She's her up. She's passed out. She's passed drunk. out. Drunk. So she calls and her mom doesn't pick up. And then she gets on the phone. It's like hi yellow cab taxi service <laughs> like like she's done this yeah. before and it's like also, this this girl is such a not Lindsay lohan like she looks so much like Lindsay lohan around 2000 it's really distracting I can't they, like, they went to that? family dollar and they found the first discount Lindsay lohan the walmart brand Lindsay lohan. uh yeah so then that and then that's when jackman comes out and they have a nice quick yeah. moment he's like i missed you He's like, I have, I have a way to get back with you. And so he drives her home and drops her off. And then the FBI pulls up. Yeah. Uh, Jackman has no idea why they're picking him up. He thinks it's because he blew his parole and left Texas and seek his family. Oh, see, I thought it was because in the nightclub scene, he says, you know, I'm not allowed anywhere near a computer. Yeah. And I had assumed he was, that's Thinking what he was that talking he was about. He thought that they that. had, because he's freaking out in the bathroom. Mm-hmm. And then the FBI rolls up less than 24 hours yeah. later. And they're like, hey. He he think he's not sure what I think there's like three separate things he could possibly be getting picked yeah. up for. Um and they're actually after him for the one that he does not think about, which is that he was spotted with Gabriel. Yeah. Well, they just want to talk to him. Yeah. They don't actually want to arrest him. So he elbows ch- one of the agents in yeah, the face. A chase scene <laughs> ensues. And so um Chase is a bold word. <laughs> yeah, it is a bold word. Um it's mostly on foot, right? Or does he get in a car? It's mostly on foot. It's mostly on roll. <laughs> There's not much foot. Because he, he hits the elbows of the guy in the face and he dents his car door, a car door which later will not be dented. Um, <laughs> and so the guy's nose is bleeding and he takes off and they're all grabbing at him, but no one can get him. And he keeps running and he gets to the edge of that cliff and he's, you know, he's got to jump or he's going to get you know, taken away for whatever he thinks he's going to get taken away for. So he jumps. And then Don Cheadle... Jumps out. You know, him. I'm getting too old for this shit. Um, like, almost delivers that line and then just jumps off after him. Yeah. And then a third guy's like, ah, damn, and jumps off as well. The third guy who's going to do nothing. A third guy whose name we don't even learn jumps off with him. He gets like a, a joke line where he's like, ah, I don't know about this. And he jumps off. And then after what feels like, I mean, it's probably, it's honestly probably a minute of them falling down this hill. A good long minute. It is, a very long, I mean, it, many cuts. Have you guys seen Hot Rod? No. no. Okay, the Andy Samuels movie. There's like a four-minute sequence in the middle of Hot Rod where he falls down a hill, and it's just four minutes of him rolling down the <laughs> hill. Like, it's like the camera shows it's a very small hill, but then it's just four minutes of him rolling down. And he finally comes to rest, and then he just rolls over again. And it's just like comically overlong. You're like, the hill is not this tall. <laughs> Well, they're rolling down this hill, and nobody's dying. Nobody's neck is being snapped. Nobody's <laughs> arms are being broken. And eventually, they get to this tarp, and they start to s- roll, but a slightly more controlled. They yeah. have about 6% more control than they did before. <laughs> and they keep rolling down, and they make it to the bottom. And the agent, whose nose has just been crushed by, you know, pre-Jack to Jackman, um, just shows up at the bottom of the <laughs> hill with, with his, his car, car. <laughs> and, hi- and hits Hugh Jackman. <laughs> 
who then gets like you know falls down to the ground and then Don Cheadle like pops a bullet yeah. in the air. <laughs> He's like stop, bang! <laughs> just like fires a gun in the air and that apparently like he like puts his hands you, up. You know and, what aside from the obvious makes the hill so funny is like just the, the shots that they're saying. They have like at least forty points of coverage for this. Hill. Oh yeah, I mean it's but cut and, so bad. But they're all just of stunt guys just rolling down a hill covered in dirt. And we know that the fall was bad because when Hugh Jackman reaches the bottom, his the shoulder of his brand new jacket is ripped. Yeah. And that's about all the evidence we have. <laughs> Rolled, you know, Don Cheadle's a little dirty. His suit's a little nasty. Yeah. But the person who really has suffered the worst of this is the man whose nose was broken. <laughs> yeah. And who has just had Everyone Hugh Jackman else is with fine for car. falling down like a quarter mile hill, seemingly. So like so Don Cheeto like gets Hugh Jackman and talks to him like what what why did you run for? And it's like what what do you mean? It's like what do you think I was gonna bust you for your parole for just seeing your family? And he's like, No. And then that's when he talks to him about like uh Travolta and he's like I, I think he's like asking him for his help. Um but yeah, I don't he really... says, "Yeah, what are the odds of the two best hackers in the world being in L.A. at the same time? Like, what is that?" Jackman's like, "I'm a fiend for Disneyland." Yeah, <laughs> yeah. that's what he says. <laughs> um, so, so they, yeah. they let him go. They let him go, and he just goes back. He's like, "What the shit? It's happening, guys!" He goes back to the to the house and starts hacking again. <laughs> yeah, right? This is when the hacking montage starts. So he gets back to the house. You know, he sits down at the computer with its nine yeah. screens. This is maybe the most sexual scene I've ever seen in a movie. And there's no, like, sex involved. It's just Hugh Jackman getting it off at hacking. <laughs> and <laughs> he's, he's, like, like oh, congratulating yeah. himself. And he's, like, fuck, throwing fuck, his fuck. fist No, 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 no. There's, there's, there's do one that. point where he stands up and just starts thrusting at the, yeah. at the monitor. I, I, I mean, that's how I hack, personally. <laughs> um, well, it's like, when, I'm, when we're describing this scene, this all seems like bits that I can imagine Travolta doing. <laughs> yeah. But it's not. It's Hugh Jackman. And here's the thing here's my ultimate bit problem with this they got the casting wrong mm. it was hugh jackman that should have been gabriel and travolta should, and have, been the travolta should have been the over-the-top stanley jobson hacker mm. because imagine this scene with john travolta doing <laughs> it would have been some face-off level nonsense it would have been phenomenal yeah it would have been amazing but like hugh jackman who is like a great actor he's a good actor mm. At this time, he's like just okay. He's coming off of yeah. the first X Men movie, and that's pretty much all he's really known for at the time. Yeah, he had done Australian theater and then X Men. Yeah. yeah, so which is crazy. <laughs> like Jackman's doing all right, but I every time the entire time I was watching the scene, I'm like, good god, if Travolta yeah. was doing this, like, and I was waiting for like one villainous scene that just shows the villains like craziness with no context behind it, like. I think you we know get those that. movies. Well, but you know those movies where there's no purpose for showing a villain doing something, but yeah. you do it to show like sort of their inner soul moment. Yeah. Like I'm just imagining like uh, there's got to be a scene I can draw back to that that like would make more sense. But I'm blanking. But like I, an like, intro to, villain scene to, or to like paint a picture like you know the idea of like a henchman walking into like the villain's like office and it's full of like decor that like yeah. personifies her character and what's the villain doing he's like he has like a pet cat and he's playing yeah. violet like i was waiting yeah. for a, a scene like that with travolta but yeah. like but in some sense but and this would have been that scene <laughs> of travolta just like gloriously hacking yeah. and like thrusting into the air and basically having orgasms yeah 
uh, just missed opportunity. Mm. Missed opportunity, in my opinion. So, yeah, this, this is the hacking mod. And he's building a cube. Yeah. Sam, do you yeah, know so, think about what's happening? Tell us about so, the cube hacking mo- method, Sam. It makes absolutely no sense. <laughs> so, well, first off, when you're hacking, you don't sit there at a computer and type away until you get what you want because that that would just take i mean especially with like 128 bit encryption is real so it's 256 bit 512 1024 all as you go up in numbers it's the, the harder it gets but no respectable hacker would sit down for what really for hugh jackman probably does this in about three hours in the film mm-hmm. that's probably what the montage covers but no one would do that. They would just write a program and wait for the program to do it itself. But instead, he, he very artistically assembles this digital cube, which is supposed to represent the Hydra. And mm-hmm. it's got, I mean, it must have 18 points on it of all these little pieces. And we see him come and go as he fails and as he succeeds and the cube gets bigger and bigger. <laughs> and then finally he finishes the cube, which is represented on the nine, what's it, nine screens in front of him? Yeah. <laughs> um, which again, I mean, I know it's 2001 and I can't be like, why didn't they just have like three ultra wides? You know what I mean? Or just like three nice monitors for this guy. This is what the best they had. But he finally assembles this cube and the montage just ends. And he puts it on a nice little CD, which again, makes no sense. He prints the, the, the hack to the CD. Was, I mean, I, I would have, what if they'd included that in the film? You know, him like hitting the burn button and then we see the bar slowly going up and then it pops out of the disc drive and that's the end of the montage. Like that's how exciting that whole hacking scene was. And it seems like, they're trying to make an action film out of something that's not, not action-y, and it fails so miserably. Mm-hmm. In Casino Royale, they take a poker game, like a 40-minute poker game, and they turn it into something like an action, action sequence. I, I watched that, Casino Royale recently, and that poker game is more exciting than the action scenes in that movie. It holds up. Yeah. Every action scene in that movie, and they turn that high-stakes tension into action. But with this, it's just this. It's like an SNL skit of what, <laughs> of what like... If, you know, if it feels like someone, like, you know, a president had been, like, you know, hacking is the greatest threat to this country, and then Saturday Night Live made a skit where Hugh Jackman was the hacker, and he was taking it down the world. Like, it makes no sense. Careful, you're, you're making some good points here. <laughs> <laughs> Gently having some thoughts about that. And obviously the best part is he's got this awful earring that's <laughs> in 90% of the shots. Oh, God. Oh. So, yeah, so that scene finishes. He's got, he's got it on a he. disc, hey. and, and, and he decides that he needs a little bit more wine because the best hackers in the world work drunk. when their brain is all, you know, murky. Yeah, drunk. So he goes down to the wine cellar of this villa, and this is when, this is when we're really introduced. This is like our first Harry Houdini moment yeah. of the film. When he's going down there minding his own business, and he grabs the bottle of wine, and he sees... None other than a frozen corpse of John Travolta. And he's like, what the fuck? And then he runs back upstairs, and who does he see? John the real Travolta. John Travolta. Who delivers the line, you okay you look, there, Stan? You look like you've you just, just seen, seen a ghost. ghost. <laughs> As if we couldn't be more... On the nose. On the, yeah, on the nose about what's going on. Mm-hmm. And then this brings up what you had said earlier. We can't talk in, in my home. We but, have to talk somewhere else. Let's which, go for a ride. So they go for a ride in the Porsche, which starts what 
as a child was I thought was the second yeah. most badass scene of this movie behind obviously the the, the first explosion. ball bearing explosion at yeah. the beginning. I think we I think we skipped over one scene. The scene where Halle Berry reveals herself as a DEA. Oh, yeah. that's yeah. what happens. When we he first comes this. home, he disco- this is before the hacking montage. Yeah. And we discover that she's allegedly Yeah. An agent for the DEA. So he walks in on her like mid undress. Yeah, she's nearly nude, removing a wire. Yeah, she has like a wire attached to her. And and of course, she's she's got so she's in the mansion of the guy who she's wearing a wire to capture. Yes, and she's changing with the door open or cracked at least. (laughs) (laughs) And Jackman just walks in. And Jackman just walks in, which is what you know any respectable man does when he sees a woman changing with a cracked door. And Travolta does like the same thing right after he walks in as well. And just sees Jackman and Halle Berry almost nude, nude. and he's like, "Oh, this looks friendly." (laughs) And the best performance Halle Berry can ever do in a situation like this, she's like, "Well, you know me. You know I'm friendly." (laughs) (laughs) What? That's the line? That's the line, guys? That's the final draft that you print and put on the sides on day 13? So she reveals she's a DEA agent. Yes. And that she just needs Stanley to do his job and get out so she can collect. So even though she's been around John Travolta, while he literally explains word for word his plan... None of that is none of that is is usable yeah. by the DEA. So it's yep. believable that she's still there. She needs to collect more information. And so she tells him just do the job, get your daughter back, get your money and just get the fuck out because it's not worth it, you know, yeah. to be around for this. We're after Gabriel not you. So yeah. Okay, so now we're in the Hugh Jackman uh John Travolta car scene. Yeah. Well, yeah, and this whole thing, all these scenes. I'm just talk about the score of this movie for a second. Cuz it is everything like Every movie from this time period, for some reason, has to have this technical where it's like, you know? <laughs> it's that Matrix, like, yeah. gritty, like, techno, like, have you guys seen AI Artificial Intelligence? I have not. Spielberg movie. I know I have. So, great movie. Fucking great. And John Williams does a score for that. It's amazing. And it's a very John Williams y score. That's a surprise. Except for there's one scene where, is this like, the Coliseum no, scene. where these techno bikers oh, pop out. And right. I want to time travel back to John Williams who like usually does these classic or doing this scene it's like like all these bikers just ripping through trying to steal Haley Joel Osment and I want to see John Williams at the fucking mix table (laughs) (laughs) I imagine him you know with one of those those like little tables that Mike Shinoda of Lincoln Park had and he's just mashing buttons 63 year old like John Williams just like (laughs) anyway the car scene yeah uh, so they're in the car, and I don't even remember what the contents of their conversation were about, but as soon as we find out, like, oh, he has a tail, there's somebody following them. So then Travolta's like, hold on for a second. So then he, like, veers his car around, and that one tail turns into two tails, and they're getting followed by, like, seven to eight, like, SUVs. Yeah. <laughs> they're, they're, supposed to, they're supposed to be government vehicles. Yeah. Even though, even though we spent so little time talking about the, the senator, senator that we forget we totally forget that the government would even want him or that the that the senator would have maybe sent men after him because he calls off the operation it doesn't really we're just we're kind of confused as to where these suvs come from yeah 
and why they couldn't have the conversation in the house. If Gabriel is three steps ahead, he should be knowing mm. that if he leaves, he's going to have a government tail or tail yeah. of any anyone, really. But right. You, you know what Travolta says right before this car chase begins, though? He just says, have you ever heard of Harry Houdini? <laughs> That's oh, right. Yes. He does tell him about the Harry Houdini story. He explains the misdirection, and that's what ties us into... This is how Hugh Jackman was inspired to do the prestige five years later <laughs> off of this scene. I, I, like to, I like to believe that. I'm okay with that. That's I'm all right. okay with the universes being connected. <laughs> but you know, my favorite part of this is... I brought the quote up because I wanted to just like be able to say it in its glory. <laughs> He's like, well, he wasn't like today's musicians who were only interested in television rate which Travolta is like explaining that he's like has a deep understanding of the history of magicianry in this country <laughs> he's like he was an artist he could make an elephant disappear in the middle of a theater you know you how know he did, did that? it misdirection. misdirection what the eyes see and the ears hear the mind believes and then a bunch of government vehicles attack them and it turns insane and like here's the thing where it really took a step to the next level because i thought it was just going to be a car chase that's it he's just gonna <laughs> he's gonna do a cool drift into an alley and lose them then the, you just see like it drifts gets into an alley and a garbage truck covers them up and you just see like a cut cutaway shot where it cuts to like a hood mount where you see them sitting and then suvs driving past them unknowing where they are that's where i thought the scene was heading no but then this the two SUVs a... pull up. John Travolta says, take the wheel. He holds <laughs> up two machine guns and starts shooting the guys. He so stands out of the sunroof. You actually, you ha- no, it's, it's a convertible. It's a convertible. And you actually have it backwards. What happens is, so he says, take the wheel, because he sees the vehicles are coming, barbaring down on them. And, <clears throat> excuse me, <clears throat> John Travolta stands up. And he does this, this super cool action movie thing. And he holds both Uzis off to the side. <laughs> and then after about a second of this, the SUVs then pull up next to the guns so they can be shot. <laughs> so these, these guys are driving the vehicle. And they're driving. They're, oh, this is weird. Okay, he's standing up now. Oh, he's got guns in his hand. Okay, let's pull up next to him <laughs> so he can shoot directly into our windows. So they, I mean, they had a shot on him the whole time. He's now he's a standing target. Yeah. They have more than just his head. They could end the movie right now, <laughs> and they could end this whole thing, but they don't. And it turns into this ginormous, like very expensive, this is absurdly huge gun, like action, like car <laughs> chase, fight, gun explosion. Travolta, sequence. I think, murders at least. I th- they say they eight. say I think, seven or eight. I think people. he at least murders fifteen. <laughs> I think that's an. You imagine the collateral that comes out of all these cars crashing into like civilians. Oh, like, there or, like, so, there's at least four SUVs that he shoots the driver. It flips over, explodes. <laughs> so he, they destroy two. Yeah. And then, you know, then he does the cool, he does the cool thing where he, you know, cuts the wheel and the car drifts to a stop and John Travolta gets out and we're like, why is he doing this? And he's like, all right. And he slowly unzips this bag and he assembles a ginormous machine gun, a ginormous machine gun. (laughs) This thing's got like a hundred rounds in the chamber and he will fire 500 rounds out of this clip (laughs) like over the next three minutes. For all our Call of Duty listeners here, this is like in the Call of Duty weapons menu, your primary, you're picking your assault rifles, your snipers, your mini machine guns, and then your large machine guns. The ones where that takes like 20 seconds to load in the game and you have to like smack on like the lid. 
And we see that. Like those machine guns. We see the suspense start to build as this new wave of SUVs, as wave two of the SUVs bears down on them. And we see these close cuts. We have the the magazine is being strapped to the underside of the machine gun. We see the cars. Then we're back, and he's slowly sliding the bullets into the chamber. And we cut to the cars again, and they're closer. Then we cut back, and he's cocking the thing. And then we cut back to the cars, and he just unloads on them like Hugh Jackman did at the end of his, his hack montage <laughs> and he is just he is, he is firing this gun he is hip firing it and these these the bullets are going straight through the windshield and they are just eviscerating these government agents there's like so many cars exploding and 10 year old me is sitting there like this is the coolest fucking thing i mean this guy is so badass he's like slowly loading the machine gun and now he's like ripping these people to shreds I, nothing is cool i was hooting and hollering in my living room when oh, this happens absolutely <laughs> and it literally is like you described it perfectly samura it's like it is like waves because first <laughs> it's like two cars and he takes them out with many uzis and then there's like five cars coming at them where he eviscerates them with the machine gun then he gets back in the car drives and off, they drive off. and then there's a third wave of suvs <laughs> and for some reason this causes they don't mobilize everyone at the same time no. they still they tell strike team alpha which is just two suvs you go first all right strike team bravo you're gonna wait two minutes and then you're gonna go and then charlie you're gonna wait two minutes after that and then you're gonna go and, and the thing that's so crazy about all this is that this scene when it ends it just ends it's never mentioned again that this happened we never hear but on like, the news cnn like he talks about there is yeah, no media like frenzy about the shoot government like, suv and like oh. imagine the police finding the bodies and they're like oh like secret service or like, hitmen assassin agents firefight breaks out downtown at least eight fbi agents are killed no police are like, don't know, does no not show up no national guard said <laughs> like this should be this should shut down la <laughs> we don't even find out who these people are <laughs> yeah. no he, like, he drags a guy or he he looks he walks up to the SUV and he sees a guy in a black suit lying on the ground and we're supposed to just know these are like FBI agents or yeah. something sent by the senator but we don't even think about that until this badass helicopter scene yeah. where we're like right behind the rotors of the helicopter as it flies over the mountains in Colorado <laughs> and lands right next to the fly fishing senator <laughs> where we make another masturbation joke about how a fly fishing's like masturbation except you never get to finish <laughs> and then the senator's like well you're not going to kill me and John Travolta's like lol jk and does it anyway <laughs> and kills him and a uh, plot twist he kills a U.S. senator. <laughs> like, the, well, the best part is he he delivers this line that's just not badass. And he's like, what does he say? Loyalty doesn't have a shelf life of four years or something? Yeah, something like that. Senators have a six-year term. He says patriotism doesn't have a four-year shelf life. And then he shoots the senator. And then we never hear about that again. Nope. And also, we never really learn the true connection between the senator but, and him. He just seems to be the guy calling the shots. Isn't it basically like the senator was running that black cell or whatever it was? I think he wanted part of the money, yeah. Yeah, that Travolta was like, he wanted the money to attack terrorists yeah. after the attack. <laughs> Such a retaliation. Well, okay, so I think that's where we're the part we're at right now because after that like massive like car chase and the Jackman, just... by the way, has still not like, oh, I gotta get out of here. Oh, wait, real quick. The most unbelievable thing about this entire movie is not only that Hugh Jackman doesn't know how to drive stick, which I refuse to believe. I mean, he's yeah. from Australia. There's no way. <laughs> oh, I know. I'll draw stick now and then on. He learns how to drive stick in a Porsche under fire. 
and no one tells him what to do. I mean, how does he figure that out? And all of a sudden, he within seconds becomes an expert driver. <laughs> it reminded me, I just watched Eagle Eye the other day with Shia yeah. LaBeouf and um, Michelle Monaghan. And she, for some reason, she's in a Porsche uh, like Cayman, which is the SUV, which in, for some reason in this movie is a six-speed. And Shia LaBeouf just keeps yelling at her. I don't know how to say his name. And he's like, clutch, clutch, clutch. And she's like <laughs> shifting poorly, but it's not clear that she's shifting poorly. And he spent, yeah. he just he must say the word clutch like 12 times yeah. in the three minutes of that. And it was like, it was virtually the same scene. Yeah. There was just no reason for him to have to learn it in the moment. <laughs> yeah. And then become an expert. <laughs> like, so, I know how, though. Yeah, Travolta has killed eight agents downtown, caused massive property damage. They destroy a diner. He kills a senator. <laughs> and so Trav- ne- none of this is mentioned. <laughs> so Travolta takes Jackman to another place. He's like, "We're gonna go to let's go get coffee," because they go to a coffee shop. Okay, I don't um, remember this. Part. Me neither. They go to a coffee shop after all this crazy. After he cops the senator. After he cops the senator. Okay, and he's like. And uh, he's just, and he kind of like lays out where he's from. He's like, I worked for this organization where we would. Oh, isn't yeah. there like an underground like armory or something where they have like weapons and shit? It's, well, and, that's like, like a little old church, but that's a little bit later. That's where he goes after the the coffee shop. Okay. He, he kind of he kind of tells Jack when he's like, Yeah, you know, I, this organization like like after- J. Edgar Hoover yeah. started oh, like yeah. it, like he started this like covert black like uh operation called black cell and which like is after the if if a terrorist hit us we hit them back tenfold yeah. to discourage them from doing it again so it turns out that gabriel is this like super patriotic <laughs> He's a like, hyper patriot hyper patriot nationalist like yeah uh, agent. Guy, agent who is who doesn't game. think the government is patriotic enough for the U.S.? And yeah, he's, they like he's here to protect our freedom. And they then two months him. later, after this comes out, nine eleven. <laughs> well, it's funny too because they talk. He talks about how like nobody, oh. nobody's going to terrorize America if we terrorize them first. And I mean that nothing has nothing has aged more like milk than that <laughs> statement considering the last twenty years in the Middle East. I need to find the quote he gives though, where he's like. It, it, it's where he's like, uh, you know, they kill American tourists. We I found nuke it, I their, found Yeah, you found, we nuke a city. Re, re, he says, read this in so full. In Hugh full. Jackman asks him, this is this line comes a little later, but Hugh Jackman asks him, war who we are at war with. And Gabriel says, anyone who impinges on America's freedoms, terrorist states, Stanley, someone must bring their war to them. They bomb a church, we bob ten. They hijack a plane, we take out an airport. They execute American tourists, we tackle and nuke an entire city. Wait a minute, wait a minute. They kill American tourists, we tactically nuke a city? Well, also, like, Our job is to make terrorism so horrific that it becomes unthinkable to attack Americans. The escalation also makes no sense. So if they, if they bomb a church, we're going to assume bomb there's, a, ten. there's 100 people in there, right? So they kill a hundred Americans in a church. We kill a thousand of theirs in ten churches. They, but then they, they kill one tourist, <laughs> and we we tactically nuke two hundred thousand people. <laughs> like, wait a second. Where, like, where's and, the math? On and this result is like, I can get a, I can get t- six nukes for. Uh, and 40, says, I can get a for, nuke in Minsk for forty million dollars. And will give me a discount if I buy if, if I, I buy, buy twelve. <laughs> yeah. If I buy a dozen. And this is where like I. I almost wished the movie took this direction, which is like, because at this point, like, 
Jackman Realism. has had so Realism. many opportunities to like say fuck this you're too fucked up for me man yeah. and back off but he keeps on and i think like if there was a direction in this movie that might have been like somewhat well thought out which it could have been like that jackman starts off with the reasons of getting his daughter back but slowly turns into this similar hyper patriotic like guy mm. like travolta but then it turns into a means just like the, the ends justify the means sort of thing and it becomes the, where you're too dangerous to be alive sort of ordeal so he kills travolta at the end like i was waiting for that moment this whole movie is hugh jackman being like i don't know about this thing. <laughs> <laughs> but that's all it does it yeah, never he transitions never, he never stops yeah, he's yeah. always like he's i mean he's that friend who's like this isn't really a good idea but then goes with you to do whatever dumb shit you're gonna yeah. do next. He gets on the bus. Yeah. <laughs> he gets on the bus. <laughs> Why does he need to get on the bus, guys? <laughs> he's dragged onto the bus. Is he dragged? Um because he gets them this we're skipping a little ahead here, but like he oh, gets yeah. them the money and then they get them the bus and he gets on like does he does Travolta have any reason for Jackman to get on the bus? Because we're forgetting at the end of well, that he sequence. He has to blow up the thing to fake the guy's death. But does he need Jackman's knowledge of yes. that to fully prove it? Like, it could just be the FBI think th he's dead, and I that's think, good enough for him. I think him. he needs Jackman to blow up the helicopter. I think... Because he's 10, ten steps ahead of everyone. That's what I was going to say. This is the first time in the film that Gabriel actually is, like, three steps ahead. Where and he, he, I think he, he antagonizes... an RPG in the bus. Yeah, and he knowing, antagonizes Hugh Jackman, knowing that Hugh Jackman is going to want him dead. Especially after the threat on his daughter. And killing... Mm. Well, Kill, and quote, killing unquote, Halle killing. Berry. Okay. Halle Berry, who's hanged with a piece of uh, braided cable. steel cable. <laughs> yeah. And then when she's lying on the ground, she has a piece of nylon rope around her neck. <laughs> very, very interesting. Okay, we got to back up before we yeah. get to... So, uh, so Travolta tells Jackman all this about the secret organization. To, to the things. listener at home, if this movie sounds absolutely bug nuts to you, I promise you, it's crazier in person. And it truly doesn't matter the order of which things happen in this movie. It really because doesn't. None of it really advances the plot until we're in the bank. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So then we're 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 back. Oh. This is when like Travolta Wait, tells can, Jackman. Can I wind back one second just to say a fun trivia fact about sure. this movie? Uh, when Travolta shoots the senator, he says Thomas Jefferson executed a man for treason in the White House lawn and then shoots him. Um, and that is not a true story. And this movie is responsible for starting that rumor that is now. Oh, very... I didn't know it started it. This movie is responsible for that rumor starting, apparently. God That's damn. kind of amazing. Yeah, there's, no, there's been no evidence to substantiate that that <laughs> no had evidence ever to substantiate happened. that happening. And for some reason, Travolta is the reason for that. Cool. <laughs> anyway, I like it. Back to the part of the movie we left on. <laughs> so, like, this is when, like, Jackman, like, comes to his senses about yeah. Travolta. Well, first they're in the club or in the, the coffee shop, and Jackman's like, well, we're going to need to get into the hardline server of a bank that's connected to this fund or whatever. And he's like, yeah, where's... Turn around. Turn around. And he looks behind him in the banks right and there. And it's the bank from the beginning World of the movie. World Bank with a C, so we know it's French and high class. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> World Bank? <laughs> oh, Bank? Zonda on the Bank? So... And that's when he also sees, like, the underground, like, bunker of the weapons yeah. and, like, hacking shit. Then they go back home, and he takes them underground, and he, we see them loading up all the ordnance that they're going to use for the heist that's going to occur in, like, four minutes. Yeah. And so then Hugh Jackman, he sees um, this very, very shoddy power system <laughs> they have set up in the basement, and he yanks... He yanks that cable. He's Spider-Man Two. Yanks the cables. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> from 
from the pow from this what looks like a giant car battery <laughs> and it causes them to lose power but gabriel because he's three steps ahead he's like no nah, it's let him go. Don't, don't, let come, him go. He'll come back. He'll be back. Doesn't seem to care about the sparks also, can, flying. Can we talk about the decor on their bus? Why is it? Why is it? Um, it's entirely stoned. It's entirely like made to look like a, a computer system, and the sides is like hacking defense. It's like they, I didn't even think about that. It just looked up, like a really shitty bus that would be used to like move hippies between like the campsite and wherever <laughs> Woodstock. Yeah, wherever the music festival was happening. <laughs> like they, they make it look like a computer, like a, a wire system or something. It's very strange. They took time for that. They took time to decor this bus. Um. But Jackman, he runs to his ex-wife's house to get his daughter and escape. But what does he find there? Two dead bodies. Two Who's, dead bodies. For no reason. His ex-wife and uh, the poor king of L.A., apparently. All of which are in their underwear. Yeah. The poor so, king of L.A. whose face we don't see. <laughs> never right. met he's, this his man. Ba- his head is, his, his, the back of his head is to the camera, and he's just dead. That's the only introduction we ever get to him. We never talk about him or see him again. Yep. Poor porn king. But we do see... As Hugh Jackman explores the house, various lighting setups throughout the, the like the living room yeah. and the bedrooms, as if this stuff is just set up. This guy shoots, he comes home and they just shoot porn on the couch. <laughs> That's all he does. <laughs> and he doesn't have time to take the lights down because there's just so much fucking. There's a camera still on a tripod. There's a camera still on the tripod. It's unsafe. Uh, and then he, find, so he finds out. What would have rolled as if Travolta like, found a VHS tape? Sitting there, and he had to put it in. It started with a porn movie, and then, <laughs> and then Gabriel walks in and shoots everyone. He's like, "Hey, buddy, you gotta come to this to this bank if you." Want. And then we just we cut from him there. No, he pulls out the FBI agent's like card yeah. to call Don Cheadle, who is still in this movie. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, who has not made an appearance in a minute. In who doesn't seem aware of, of the violence that just occurred sixteen hours prior in downtown LA. <laughs> so, yeah. He he pulls up the card and then it cuts back to the like the opening of the movie in like except now it's at it's four hundred times speed <laughs> we just and see. we we make the loop the, the the loop now a couple times but super quickly and then we we're back to the ball bearing rolling towards Hugh Jackman yeah and Hugh Jackman standing up covered in glass and debris from the explosion the most epic yeah. explosion in <laughs> and Hollywood cinematic history <laughs> so. That's why I have to flip the page. Uh, Jackman just wants his daughter back. Yes. And uh, Travolta, like, gets one of his henchmen to, like, grab his daughter. And he says, okay, but you got to, like, you know, finish, like, wire all the money to all these accounts and, like, whatever. So he does it. He, like, wires. This is where I wrote in my notebook what is happening. Yeah. So this this explosion goes off, and he's got one of the flimsiest pieces of media technology in his pocket. (laughs) And he is is flown. uh, The explosion contorts his body, and we see Hugh Jackman, like, spiral through the air and land on the ground, and he whips out this CD-ROM, these pieces of media that are so poorly affected the moment they get a scratch on them and he just throws it in the disk drive of the server and they're good to go no issues with that and he has a henchman travolta has a henchman standing by to check because he's always like all right it's done he's like check 
Good. Yep. That, see, oh, good. that's a computer screen with numbers on it. I think we're good. <laughs> it's not like another hacker that he trusts. It's just like some other like yeah. dumb brain. Guy. It's the guy. I think it's the same guy who had opened the nice glass doors for the server. That's his only job is to is to touch the computer stuff when Hugh Jackman is not touching it. And so uh, he sends him he sends them, him the wire and he's like, all right, give him his daughter. And they're on the way out and he's like, oh, Stanley. And he turns around and he thinks there's going to be another catch to their deal. And he's like, good job. <laughs> Off camera. We don't even see him. Good job. And then they take a couple more steps. And then and we hear this uh, beeping. Uh, uh, uh. And we cut back. And the money is disappearing from the accounts. Mm. It's gone. The daughter escapes. She runs across the street. But they cap, But they have Hugh Jackman. And Hugh Jackman. So and what, what exactly what? So the daughter runs out. And Don Cheadle's like, I mean, you know, I was in Hotel Rwanda. Like, I saved people. No big deal. <laughs> so Don Cheadle's, like, running as fast as he can. Him and his, his nameless friend, they're, like, sprinting out. They're going to get the daughter. And then for some stupid-ass reason, this this SWAT guy, like a linebacker, runs through and just scoops the girl up. And it's like, what was even the point? Why did we have so? Why did we have three elements to this? There only needed to be two. She could have gotten grabbed by Don Cheadle, would have been great. She could have been grabbed by the SWAT guy, would have been great. Why did both happen? It was just like more coverage. Yeah, I guess so. So, uh, but it's at this point, uh, Travolta threatens Jackman again. It's like you're gonna fix this problem. He's like, well, I the money is set to re direct to different banks every 60 seconds i'll tell you which bank if you let me go you'll never get your money if you kill me and it's like it's like do we have a deal it's like let me think about it no deal (laughs) so he also is like he's like it wasn't supposed to happen for six hours like that was my bad you know that's like he's like the money's gonna jump to numbered accounts every 60 seconds what bank account isn't numbered right right (laughs) <laughs> like it sounds cool don't get me wrong like it yeah. sounds like a fancy swiss cayman islands kind of thing but it's just like what what does that mean every bank account is a number realism <laughs> realism yeah and then john travolta's like yeah no deal so then he like uh brings uh jackman back to the hacking software and he shows him that he has Halle Berry. He's yeah. like, get uh get uh, ginger. Get ginger. So the hanger with braided steel. <laughs> and, and like here here's here's one thing. It's like I, I can kind of assume from Travolta's standpoint that there's something of a connection between Ginger and Stanley, but like enough for him to like hack like a computer mm-hmm. thing again for him. Yeah. Like it's not like he's holding his daughter hostage. Yeah. Yeah. Which but they, do it. they made out they made out. They he saw her mostly She's naked. a DEA agent. We established that he's a white hat hacker who only does things for the benefit of the American people. And which, show, which so does John Travolta. Because Gabriel's of, just a patriot too, guys. Because of all this misdirection, bringing it back to Houdini, he believes <laughs> this isn't misdirection. It's just a blatant lie. But okay, he believes that Ginger is DEA. So he's like, okay, well, I guess I gotta help her. I guess I gotta give. I guess I gotta pay nine and a half billion dollars so the DEA doesn't lose their case, even though they could arrest him right now because we see what he's doing. But that's okay, <laughs> no big deal. So they hang her with the steel cable. It's like, oh, how much do you think she has? Maybe like sixty seconds. Yeah. <laughs> and it's like get a nice little callback. Yeah, nice little callback yeah. to the beginning. So he has to like furiously hack again to like get the money all back into their accounts. And he's he's doing the same like uh, suspenseful countdowns, like twenty five, 
20, 19. <laughs> um, and then he gets, and then eventually Jackman gets in. He's like, okay, let her down. And then he shoots her. <laughs> He's like, it's okay. She was DEA. Now let's go, boys. Yeah. We got the money. What's so baffling to me is like, so it's supposed to be a callback to that beginning scene where we see, because now it's 1,024-bit encryption, <laughs> which is, you know, exponentially harder than the 128 that he had hacked in, in 61 seconds at the start of the movie. But, like, Hugh Jackman doesn't have to hack anything because he's the one who set up the bank accounts and he knows the bank account numbers. And it really could have just taken him a couple seconds just to put the money back. I mean, he had programmed the transfer to his accounts at the beginning. So, like, there really are no stakes for him just to put the money back. But yet they drag it out again into this hacking sequence as if Hugh Jackman is starting fresh. (laughs) As if Stanley Jobson didn't just do this. <laughs> Stanley Jobson. So he shoots Halle yeah. Berry, and then they get all the hostages. They put them on a bus. On a bus. And the bedazzled bus. The movie yeah. tries. <laughs> the bedazzled bus. The movie tries to like it brings it back to the dog day afternoon thing from the beginning of the movie, and you know misdirection, and that Travolta has established to like the, the FBI guys. He that he's go put the, the idea of dog day afternoon in their head. Where he's going to go to the airport and get on a plane. Um, and then that's in Dog Day After how they catch the bad guys and kill John Gazelle. But, spoiler for Dog Day After, if you haven't seen it in 40 years. Um, but It was next on my watch list. <laughs> Fuck, man. Uh, but he like puts that in their head and he's like, we're going to go to the airport and there better be a plane waiting. And they take this bedazzled bus to the airport. And what happens? They swerve off away from the airport and go on the I-40 in L.A. All right, so this now brings up what is, I think the third best sequence <laughs> in this film. Yes. I did not see this coming. I was misdirected. Yes. He, Harry Houdini, the fuck out of 10-year-old Sam. Because you see the plane at the airport getting ready, and you're like, yeah. oh, there's going to be some and airport scene. Call, it's going to be a dog course, day afternoon. Call Deputy Director uh, uh, Joy or yeah. whatever, who's at the airport waiting. Yeah. The lazy FBI director. <laughs> who has two scenes in this movie. And then this is, <laughs> this is a Hollywood trope that I really hate. So... We don't even establish this deputy director as being like a guy you don't want to say bad news to because we don't know anything about his character. And the, the agent, he kind of like saunters up. And well, this actually happens after. And he's like, oh, well, you know, they broke through the barricades. And he's like, OK, cool. So let's just go there. And he's like, well, we can't go there. And the guy's like, well, the agent's like, well, why not? And he's like, oh, because it's airborne now. Why couldn't you just fucking say that? <laughs> why couldn't you just say, hey, man, we got this. Bro, we got is bad in news. the air. <laughs> um, the third coolest scene in this movie is happening, <laughs> and they've picked up the bus with a helicopter. Which, okay, so they're leaving, right? He says, I need the airspace cleared for five, five miles. miles. And they're like, <laughs> yeah. no big deal. Oh, that, that cargo helicopter? No, that doesn't fall <laughs> under the same category. Just let it go. It's, it's very fun. This part of the movie is so funny. <laughs> like, it's uh, so, so good. I don't think we've so, explicitly told the audience what actually happens. Yeah. So they, uh, they and, break and, through and, the barrier. And I, as I said at the beginning... I, I kind of like this movie, and this is oh, the part yeah. where I'm like, yeah! And a, and a cargo, like, helicopter flies over, yeah. drops down these cables, they attach it to, like, four corners of the bus, and then it lifts the bus yeah. into the air. The, the, but it's so suspenseful. Yeah. The helicopter flies over, and we're like, what's that? And then we see the henchmen, they pop their heads out of these hatches, and we're like, oh, shit. And then the cables come down, and they slowly cinch yeah. them up, and the cop cars are all, we're see, seeing them out the windows, the cop cars, the, the crappy Crown Vicks of 2001. 
on at Los Angeles <laughs> are cruising next to the bus. <laughs> Which is also interesting because he had said, you know, I don't want any of you guys near me. And the, the cars are four feet from the bus at all and times. And Charles at one point says, you ever seen Sugarland Express? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Which, and Tr- the bus just takes into the air. The, the thing I, I like about this part is that Tr- it goes back to the beginning where Charles is explaining like Hollywood movies and why they're bad and whatnot. And he's pretty much just like establishing this as a Hollywood movie that he's zigging and zagging with. Like he want he's... He kind of gives the audience and also the police characters in the movie as kind of a stand-in for the audience watching the movie this idea as to how things are going to go. And then he's actually doing, like, the misdirect bit, which I think is smart. It's a smart bit in this movie at the end where he stops and, like, you think they're going to go to the airport, you think it's going to be a dog day afternoon ripoff, and then it turns into, like, Furious 7 <laughs> when they lift the bus up. Let us say, like, you know, this is 2001 yeah. when, like, the first Fast and Furious movie came yeah. out. And their ideas at that time was like, we're just going to make cars go really, really fast yeah. with nitrous. And yep. then fast forward to fast. fast, whatever. F9, where they take a, a Pontiac to space. So, like, this movie is already three movies ahead of them. Yeah, this, is, this is like Fast Five level. This is Fast <laughs> Five level by the time they're making the first Fast and Furious movie. Yeah. And that's, like, that's what's so good about it is, like, the misdirections are also stupid. Yes. <laughs> but they're also badass. Like... Who who went to the theaters and was like, wouldn't it be cool if as they used the bus a four, was, if they use a thirty year old movie to make us think yeah. that they're gonna or like or who was like, wow, it's a heist film, you know, they always got to get away, but who was like, they're gonna get away, but in the most ridiculous way possible, <laughs> a helicopter picks the bus up and flies into downtown Los Angeles, <laughs> and then like they're 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 not even like poorly, not even like well planned at all because they're hardly able to get around the buildings at one point they smashed through a billboard and two of the fucking cables snapped so it turns out the one thing gabriel couldn't predict were the wind wind patterns in los angeles (laughs) and so so what the helicopter pilot does in the face of this crosswind is instead of just flying directly down broadway Instead of flying straight down the street and lifting up high enough that he can go over stuff, he decides he's going to turn towards a building and he's just going to make it, make it over at the last second. And he does, hitting the Pepsi-Cola sign, snapping the two rear cables on the bus, causing it to now be suspended vertically. And this is when we see... Vinnie you know, Jones. This is this is a subshot of that first explosion <laughs> shot. Equally as badass. The, the bus is now... The, the safety zone, what does he call it? He calls it like the dog pen or yeah. something. And the lady falls out with, with Vinnie Jones, with Vinnie Jones <laughs> and just detonates next to a skyscraper. And low-key, right before that happened, as I was watching this scene, I thought to myself, how funny would it be I'm if like, like, one by one some hostage fell out and they're like screaming <laughs> midair and they get out of range and blow the fuck up? I was saying, oh my god! I was saying the same thing at this point. In the this is what I'm like. Okay, if these tattoos don't start falling out, it's busted exploding <laughs> right now. Exploding I wrote happens. in my notebook this movie with exclamation <laughs> points when it happens. <laughs> and, so, and that's like that's like the peak oh of this JC. And it's oh, all done yeah. in a super wide where you just see like little little people falling down, like raindrops, like. Poof, <laughs> Popping like balloons at a party. <laughs> you definitely could not show this right when 9 11 happened. Oh, absolutely not. 
oh bad you know it's the computer graphics of 2001 so the explosion goes off and it looks like something that i could make in after effects in 20 minutes and then we just see this nice perfect little circle of windows on the building get obliterated by the explosion and nothing there's no other damage and then we're done they also swing through a building where a guy's having a pitch meeting that's right they do swing a bus through a building the guy's like yeah i think a corporate strategy was like oh shit (laughs) (laughs) the insert shot of him dropping his coffee mug and it's smashing on the ground and then the bus just entering the side of this building while so we're still missing two cables but the bus right now is horizontal because it's the wheels are dragging along the inside of the building and it emerges and that's when the lady is catapulted from the front of the bus to the rear of the bus where she smashes through the window. <laughs> and blows or up her guy, and Vinnie Jones. Isn't it? I think it's, it's a guy. guy and Vinnie Jones. It's the lady who dies <laughs> yeah. in the beginning. And they fall down and, and yeah. cause that explosion. <laughs> the pilot, this dumbass pilot finally gets the bus to the top, top of the building. Yeah, and parks the bus at the top. <laughs> Lands the bus. Almost drops it off of the edge of the building. <laughs> Where there's another helicopter standing by. <laughs> the same helicopter that was used to murder the senator only, In that bad what, shot. a day before? <laughs> so they park the bus. And also, we had I, we missed a little bit when they're on the bus uh, driving down I forty. Travolta or Jackman looks back and he sees uh, oh, Benny yes. Jones with the RPG case. Yeah, and he's just like it, just like I. And he, that's when he says like the thing. It's like he says it to another guy, another hostage, right? And, and he's, he's like, like "This you, is another hypersexualization for no reason." Why are you looking at me, bro? It's like you. Uh, what, what's he say? God damn it! He says like he. Tells him not to look at him. It's like, or I'll shove this. And then this, he like, says, or I'll shove this so far up your ass, you'll be begging for this bullet. Yeah. <laughs> and it's like, he delivers it the most badass way you can deliver a line that's written like that. And it just lands totally flat because, like, Skip what, Woods, baby. What is he, like, what, what's even going on here? Why do they have the RPG <laughs> is the other question, which, again, lends to the idea that Gabriel was three steps ahead <laughs> and the RPG was a plant. Yeah. So then they, they get in the helicopter, Gabriel and his guys, and he sends. Um, and he tells Jackman, he's like, uh, see, ya, maybe I'll see you later, yeah. Stanley. And then he gets into the helicopter. Stanley remembers the RPG. He, he gets at the, it out. At the same time, the FBI is on their way to the rooftop. They're going up to Don the Don Cheadle's roof. running The FBI around. who yeah. reaches the rooftop in record time. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, the bus has been landed for for. 30 um, seconds 30 seconds maybe a minute and like i know they're not they're taking the stairs right but i'm just imagining the freight elevator <laughs> okay so yeah. that's my point that elevator ride <laughs> it's a freight elevator it's not fast and why does it go to the roof and it's a bad, i want a cut scene of that elevator of ride just don Cheadle and all those guys just standing in this elevator standing in this elevator just the like music plays, with the elevator music from um from the avengers yeah <laughs> they're just waiting cut to like the bus like landing on the top of the building and so, so they get into the helicopter St- uh hugh jackman sees the rpg he gets it and it's like this aerial wide shot shows Stanley coming out of the bus while the FBI comes out of the rooftop door, like chasing him behind. It's like, Stanley, don't, don't, don't. He aims the RPG, blows up the fucking yeah. helicopter, and then drops the RPG yeah. and gets arrested. Can we talk about how this guy couldn't drive a fucking stick shift car? <laughs> and yet he knows, he knows how to load an RPG and, and shoot it? No safety. He, and he shoots it, and it actually it punches a hole. 
in the side of the helicopter before exploding mm. and then proceeds to really not do much damage to the helicopter other than to disable it. And then it sort of just explodes as it's going down. Yeah. And then <laughs> yep. we see, you know, he gets knocked to the ground and, you know, they start yelling at him and they throw cuffs on him or whatever. And fade to black. And fade to black. And, and then we're at the autopsy yes. at the morgue and they see <clears throat> Travolta's burned yes. dead body. I'm going to get to it later. We have a Kaiser Soze moment. We have a Kaiser Soze moment when he's like, well, we matched the dental records. Like, it's it's him. He's like, he this was former a, agent from the, Mossad yeah, agent from the from Israeli. Israel. Or the Israeli government gave us these dental records. Mm-hmm. So, from what I understand, you don't have someone identify the body if you've already identified the body, which is what they've done at this point <laughs> yes. with the dental records. Right. And what, and it's not like he's like burnt to a crisp. Like, like they he looks open like two the face. sheet and it's like two face. It's like yeah. half his like body is like totally char- like charred. Yeah. But then the other half you can see like the other half of Travolta's face. Yeah. So like yeah, that's the guy. But, and then another. FBI <laughs> you know how guy. they identified Osama bin Laden? Like he was shot straight in the head. They same thing. They just opened the sheets and like, yep, I think that's him. And they dropped yeeted yeah. him off into the ocean. Yeah. So it's like whatever. Jessica Chastain did that. Yeah. Um. I watched Zero Dark Thirty. But well, it was, no. it was Chris Pratt who oh, actually, Chris yeah. Pratt, America's sweetheart, who actually killed Osama bin yeah. Laden. Yeah, let's get you, the wreck back I, I remember here. 2012 so fondly in that every single movie I would ever see had the Zero Dark Thirty trailer before. Literally. But it was the exact same trailer where it started with Chris Pratt and Joel Edgerton talking. And Chris Pratt's like, so you think this is it? Osama bin Laden. <laughs> I forgot Joel Edgerton was in that movie. It's a, the two of them are like the SEAL guys at the end. It's very strange. Yeah. Bin Laden. Osama bin Laden. And like I, that's been in my head for 10 years since. Anyway. Anyway. So, so we identify the body. Now Hugh Jackman and Don Cheadle are buddy-buddy again. <laughs> for some um, reason. <laughs> even though Hugh Jackman, although coerced, has committed massive crimes against the state. Um He's just walking around, not in handcuffs, with his FBI bro. Yeah. And then another FBI guy comes in. He's like, we couldn't find any evidence we, of Ginger Knowles in the DEA. Yeah, like, we, there's no evidence that she was ever a DEA agent. And we can't find her body. And then we just start hearing, you ever heard Harry Houdini? <laughs> like, we hear, like, yeah, we, we hear it again. And then we flash back. And then and we do the flashback it's, montage, It's dead baby. ass the Kaiser Soze moment from Usual Suspects. We're just cutting between all these things in the past. We see that body that Travolta found in the basement. Or Jackman found in the basement. We see, like, the RPG being placed there. We just see all these, like... uh... We see one black head of hair go down the stairs. Yeah. We see... And after, when I rewatched it again, it is... You you can see John Travolta. He walks behind the helicopter. Yeah. um, Mm -hmm. Which I did not notice the first time because I wasn't really thinking about it in that. But knowing the misdirection is coming... When they show that shot of them going to the helicopter, you see John Travolta actually go to the left side of it behind it. And so that's where Hugh Jackman gets the idea that he's going into the helicopter Mm -hmm. and grabs the RPG. Which, pause. That still means that somewhere in the plan, Travolta planned on a helicopter pilot dying. Yes. Not only that, (laughs) but for this plot to work, that body that was been (laughs) frozen in the basement for presumably a few weeks... Yes. Had to be brought to the top of this building, loaded in, or just loaded in the helicopter. And it was sitting there for like an hour, just this corpse just weakened and burning its way. Are we going to talk about this body, by the way? (laughs) We can, but can we also talk about how Don Cheadle and his army of federal agents secure all of the exits 
and John Travolta just walks down a set of stairs. <laughs> he escapes. And escapes. And I, I'm assuming at this point he doesn't have the beautiful white hair dye <laughs> that he's going to have in five minutes. Yeah. But so the dead body that's frozen, is that a twin? I don't, think it's, that a, I don't think it's a real body. But won't they know that in the autopsy? Well, I don't think that the body that is in the wine cellar is the same body as the one that's in the helicopter in the helicopter but i they they don't seem to i think to avoid that that's why they do the whole dental records thing which to me makes it seem like i mean if this guy has hired hackers why couldn't he have hacked into like the israeli government and replaced the dental records with fake ones that would match the dead body like it seems i I know you have to stretch to do it to make it happen but it seems <laughs> like Hill you know what i mean such mental pain right now trying but, to put together gabriel's wait a plan. second if it's not a real body i think it's the body that was frozen in the basement i think he's been like it might storing be. I, it there. I don't but know. if it's the body frozen in the basement where did he find a doppelganger body of him exactly that's the real <laughs> that fucking question. I, I couldn't tell you <laughs> Travolta just like had this corpse that he's been working on, like making him look like him. Misdirection. Harry, you ever hear Harry Houdini? <laughs> like, Tra- are we just gonna let this go? Travolta's just, his whole character is just insane. <laughs> he's it's just like he's the boogie. He's like Michael Myers. It's, uh, is it not like anything. a twin? Is it not like a, a like a, a wax, clone? Like a clone? Or like, we're just gonna? Well, it's, it can't be a clone because this movie is is. The pinnacle of Hollywood realism. <laughs> so, considering the technology of 2001, it had to be... Like a s- dead twin. It had to be a dead twin. Or just some guy who, like, he plastic surgery to look like himself, and then it's presumed that when they burn the body in the explosion, it will look compellingly enough like him. See, that I can buy. Yeah. I can buy that. That's but the, yeah. that's not the body we see in the frozen yeah. basement, though. <laughs> no, that's very clearly that's, John Travolta's very clearly John Travolta's body in the frozen basement. Yeah. <sighs> All right. I'm going to let this go. We can move on. I just, I needed to, like, yeah. put, make that a bit. <laughs> I can't explain it. For uh, us to talk it's about. A fair, of the many it, things I can't explain in this movie. It's a movie. very um, crazy twist. But we find out that, yes, John Travolta is alive. Well, yes. we, not yet. We find out Halle Berry is alive when right. she goes to the bank in um, Monte Carlo, and she takes the money out. We well, she we like, know it's her, but the camera refuses to show us her face. <laughs> so we see like the backside of her again because She's, Hollywood can't she, get enough of that. And she has long, long, long luscious locks. Yeah, long brown hair. And she sits down. I want to transfer this money for my employer. And the lady's like, okay. And then she's like, <laughs> spread it evenly over the accounts because that's that's what rich people say. Cut to Halle Berry. Cut to Halle Berry. We now see her face. And we're like, oh, she's it's alive. Halle Berry. She's alive. Cut to boat. a boat. Really not that nice of a boat for a guy with <laughs> nine and a half billion dollars. It's like, like it's a an pretty, average boat. Pretty moderate, you know, pretty moderate boat. And then, you know, she walks onto the boat. It's done, boss. And then. <laughs> T- turns around. It's John Travolta, but with white frosted hair. <laughs> and. No goatee. No goatee. And. Or soul patch. <laughs> and I'm, correct me if I'm wrong on this, but I'm pretty sure he's wearing contacts. Oh, I, I did I'm not look pretty it. sure I he would is. believe it. Well, let me, let me double check on this because I'm pretty sure like he has <clears throat> blue eyes in the movie normally. Am I, am I going crazy on that one? I just thought like his eyes looked very different. No, I'm, I'm okay. So blue eyes. 
Let me see if I can find the other uh, picture of him. Uh, or maybe, Jeff, you can help me out here. Okay, but you saw he had blue eyes in that photo, right? Mm-hmm. Okay. I'm, I'm just going to look up Swordfish Travolta images. Oh, sorry, audience. Bear with me. This is very important. <laughs> you guys cut these, right? No. Uh, no. Oh, you just release it as the <laughs> way that as it is? Recorded. We just release oh it as God. it is. Uh, there's a lot of dead air sometimes <laughs> because we have to find it. Okay. So. God damn it. Where is it? No, it's worth... Just take my word for this, folks, that... Um, I mean, the movie's been so crazy so far that yeah, I, you, I'm I willing it, to believe it. that they change his eye color and say that's yeah. enough of a disguise. Because audiences love a happy ending. But then, yeah, and then he says audiences love a happy ending, and the camera follows the boat as they leave the harbor, and then the camera moves in front of the boat, and we hear about these crazy and outlandish terrorist attacks that are killing, terrorists. you know, cr- like these terrorist leaders. And then the movie ends with, the with the description of this terrorist, this big head honcho terrorist who gets killed on a boat. And then this mega yacht, this Jeff Bezos mega yacht just explodes right in front of our <laughs> eyes and we cut to black. And, the, and shadowing that like Travolta and his team were, are successful, that yeah. they get the money they're hunting and down they're hunting down terrorists for patriotism, for patriotism. We also do get a bit right before this of Hugh Jackman and his daughter. They now like are hermits. Oh, they're like, like driving around the country in like a Jeep Grand Cherokee and a Windstream trailer. <laughs> yeah. And the daughter, who's a fucking genius, is just like, we're going to Holbrook next. I don't even know where that is. <laughs> and they just leave the diner, the coffee shop where Hugh Jackman loves, and they just take off. Which that's pretty wholesome for me. Yeah, I mean that's that's the happy ending we wanted. Yeah, and then after that is when we see the Monte Carlo reveal, where we get yeah. Halle Berry and John Travolta still alive. Terrorist hunting, shindig. Um, and that's the movie. That's yeah, the movie uh, directed by Dominic, <laughs> written by Skip Wood, starring John Travolta. We're definitely at the two hour mark. On we are this. over the two hour mark. We are. We are nearly at the three hour mark. I think. No, no, we, st- we okay. didn't start until. Yeah, we didn't start until... We didn't start until about a little, little, little after three. A little yeah, after three, okay. Yeah. yeah. So, okay, so we're overdue. We, but... I do have to pause to talk about a very particular oh, yeah. thing. The hair ranking. Cue the music. <laughs> Welcome to the hair ranking. <laughs> Uh, the hair in this movie. Yes, we got to talk about it. We got to talk about it. Um, th- this might be our second movie with a. Uh, it's very yeah. clearly inspired by the rush of boy bands from the nineties. <laughs> I mean, we take Justin Timberlake and we put his hairstyle on top of Hugh Jackman. <laughs> Hugh Jackman minus the frosted tips. Well, I was gonna say like <clears throat> I kind of saw the first. The, the main hairstyle of Travolta as a spinoff of his hair in Pulp Fiction, mm. but a little bit that. more kept. Like, this is, like, because his hair in Pulp Fiction is, like, a little bit more greasy, messy long hair, where it just kind of free-flowing, can go wherever it wants to go. This long hair Travolta is a little more, like, 
it's very intentional. Like it's very, it's like it's not grease. It's gelled. Well, he's it's cold. Gelled long hair. He's cold and calculated in this film. Yeah, where yeah, he yeah. is, he's kind of like a goof. He's not a fiction. mindless goof necessarily in Pulp Fiction, but he's he's as close as you can be to one. Right. Without being devoid of character. And I gotta say, like that, it helps the sex appeal a certain bit because it does look a little bit better. And I do like the story element that it has. Yeah. Uh, with his hair now i will say though the soul patch um the soul patch didn't really bug me too much may have knocked it down like a point and a half you know (laughs) out of 10 um like if this was gonna be like uh an eight and a half probably knocked it down to a seven for me yeah um just because yeah like you know the soul patch it it wasn't terrible but it knocks it a little bit i will say a point and a half maybe just a point so if it's an eight and a half it's a seven and a half uh but the disguise travolta yes the ending the frosted white hair. Yeah. Not it. Not it. Eh, wrong. Do not go past go. Do not collect $200. <laughs> Quote from <laughs> Hugh Jackman in this movie. Uh, so, but here, here's my question, Jeff and Sam. You can, you can comment on this too. Are, are we going to do two rankings? Yeah. Are we going to do one ranking? Two. We're going to do two? Yeah, we did two for face off. We'll do two for this. Okay. I mean, I, I was going to say one because his final character isn't so relevant, but I can see why you would use a second you score. Do we need to. Okay. Um, <laughs> well, let me rank the first one. The first one goes below the uh, average Travolta look. or not the Sorry, not the first one. The second one. The disguise look. Yeah. So it's below the average Travolta look. So we're It's kind of like cuts off around. It cuts off around Eyes of an Angel, White Man's Burden. Yeah. So. More or less in the boy in the plastic bubble, Vinny Barbarino hair. Yeah. Put it. I don't think it should go below moment by moment. But I don't know if it goes above boy in the plastic bubble. But boy in the plastic bubble and moment by moment are like the same hair, you know? You want to put it in the middle and split the difference? Well, that's kind of what I want to do right now. We're it's doing, like, it's it. really splitting hairs. Um, right, so so that's what I'm we're gonna, no split, did you say splitting hairs? <laughs> Get out of here. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. Uh, yeah, I'm going to put uh, the disguised Travolta look in Swordfish. So you can put Swordfish look two. Or swordfish second look, maybe. I'll, I'll type that for now. Okay. Now the first look, it's gonna go up pretty high. Ooh. Ooh, spicy. I think this is gonna. Oh god, it might be controversial. This is gonna be very controversial. I thought this was gonna be bottom tier. I'm surprised it's getting so high. It might get controversial. What are we about to do? Put it above shout, below get shorty. Above shout, below get shorty? Yeah, that's okay. actually not that controversial. Okay, yeah, that's not controversial. That's not that controversial. Slightest. I was almost thinking about putting it above Pulp Fiction. Whoa! But the soul patch does knock it down a few points for me, so I'm going to put it up there in the top ten, but not top quite five. up in the top five. It's in the top ten, but on the top five. I think that's a very good way to put it. The disguise look, I'm also pretty happy with where that's going to go as well. Okay. So this was a fun hair ranking. Like, yes. To go on a, a small little tangent, I won't take too much more time, but, like, finally, a movie. I mean, we talked about this in Lucky Numbers. It's just, like, the, the you know, it's short hair, so it's a little different. But other than that, not really. Yeah. Uh, this actually, it's, like, so, so, Sam, we talk about this a lot with 
Travolta's hair and how quintessential it is to his arc as a human being. And that his hair meant something to him, especially in his earlier work. Because he went from like Saturday Night Fever grease with like really combed, like stylized hair to moment by moment where it grew out really long to Urban Cowboy where he had a beard to Blowout where it was like stylized to look like you know he's like a man and is getting close to his like 30s almost like it's it, it's it's all like intentional but then when we get to the 80s and early to mid 90s it all turns into like the same John Travolta hair like as if John Travolta has this hairstyle personal hairstylist in all of his movie sets that just says I'm gonna do the same thing I always do and it becomes lazy and it's so horrendous to talk about but you get those special treats like Pulp Fiction where they do something different and it adds a little bit of flair to it it's it's movies like this, like in Swordfish, where they they say, okay, what is Gabriel? Who is he as a person? And how can we really squeeze the lemon known as John Travolta to get that character <laughs> to personify squeeze that? Squeeze the lemon. And when they do, when they go down, when they take chances with the hair, like they did here. I gotta tip my hat to it, and I gotta show it some respect, tip and I gotta, I gotta respect the craft that went into it, and the choice, and the commitment, and they really went for it, and I'm really glad they 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 decided to do something for mm. Travolta's character in this. I think it, you know, we're gonna talk about our overall thoughts in the movie, but yeah. to it'll kind of bleed into mine. Like this movie is pretty bad. Mm. It's got some hilarious moments that I, I'll rewatch this. Yes. I think I would honestly rewatch. Oh, you this have movie. to rewatch it. Uh, and, but I think like his hair really does sell the character more for me versus if you had this like the the normal John Travolta hair like we get in like movies like Shout or Perfect or General's Daughter or like the 15 movies you can see where he just has regular hair and that's Gabriel. It's like it's fucking John Travolta again, <laughs> but it's not John Travolta again. It's fucking Gabriel. So. That's that's my that's those are my thoughts on the hair ranking on this movie. So, all right, all right. So this movie comes out. Yeah, uh, talking. Yep. Oh, yeah. This movie comes out um, June eighth of two thousand one. It uh, it lasts for two months in theaters. Uh, is taken off on September twelfth after the nine eleven attacks due to this movie's focus on terrorism. Yeah, and people falling out of uh, the air and yes. blowing up buildings. Yes. <laughs> uh, not <laughs> a good, not a good look. Not a good look. Uh, this movie does not do well, uh, critically or commercially. It uh, it has a 25% Rotten Tomatoes average. Or it has It's Rotten Tomatoes score 25, average rating 4.3. It's so, like a 7 on IMDb. Yes. So, like, this is, you know, audiences love swordfish. Critics put out the hit, uh, to quote the Gotti uh, Twitter account from <laughs> three years ago. <laughs> but the uh, the Rondra consensus says Swordfish is big on explosions, but critics dislike how it skims some plot and logic. Also, the sight of someone typing at a computer just isn't that interesting. To which I say bullshit to all those claims. <laughs> this movie is skimping on plot and logic is why it's good, and the computer stuff is the best part. <laughs> um, when it comes to the box office, it makes 147 mil on a budget of 102 mil, um, which is you know like mild. Not really a profit with marketing put on top of that. Probably lost a little bit of money. Yeah. Sad. Very sad. Um, but yeah, uh, there's a lot of criticism about the over-sexualization in this movie. I mean, it makes no sense. I mean, hackers obs- are not sexy. <laughs> there's a reason they're stereotyped in the way that mm-hmm. they are. Yeah. 
But before we get into overall thoughts, I do want to talk about one thing. There's an alternate ending to this movie on the DVD, apparently. <gasps> in which, when she when Ginger gets the bank at the end, Halle Berry, she's told that there's no money in the account. And then we cut to Hugh Jackman looking at uh, his phone or something. Um, and it shows all of the money funneling from his account into various charities, showing that he, pulled, he had one final worm in there that pulled all the money. That's a worse ending. Yeah, that I, li- I like this ending where they both the uh, I hate that. <laughs> I, like, I like this ending more. I like that when he's... I love that he says everybody loves a happy ending. Yeah. And then we see Hugh Jackman reunited with his daughter. And then we hear in this like super twisted way, all these terrorists are getting blown up. By John Travolta. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like as if... So like everyone gets their happy ending. Yeah. And in the twisted way, like you said, yeah. Yeah. But... Yeah, what are our overall thoughts on this movie? I think we're we're getting near the wrap up point. Yeah, um, I'll, I'll start. For me, like it, it's it has every ounce of what audiences would probably call a turn your brain off and don't think about it movie. Like it, if you just hear for like the cool explosions. Also, I do think this movie needs a retreatment in visual effects. I think if you like pump up the explosive effects more and like. And I don't think it would be that that hard to do either. I think it just, you know, make the explosions like a little bit better and not as like muddy blurry as they look in this movie, like, and do a little bit of sound treatment to it and then re-release it today. And you don't change anything plot wise. Like you literally just, maybe you take a nude scene out here and there, but like. Don't fix what ain't broke. <laughs> <laughs> but you just like, you, you, you spruce up this, the special, the visual effects in this movie a little bit. And I think you got a classic on your hands that would just be an insane class an insane movie. an insane movie that you can just i love get a good insane blasted movie. drunk watching and have a hell of a time watching yes. it i mean when the bus just like lifts off like oh my god that's so cool i can't dislike this movie it's so crazy it's just absurd yeah every uh, scene i'm like this is i cannot believe what i'm watching the blowjob right gun to the head hacking scene is just like what the fuck this, this is a like a critic proof movie in that like i can't criticize it because it's aware of its own absurdity when i was when i first watched this movie i mean i i don't think i would like this movie if on friday night i decided to watch swordfish so yeah. i could talk about it on this podcast <laughs> like I, I don't think i would enjoy it because it's not good but it's it's clouded by my youth mm, and yeah. you know it's it's for me this film exists in the same way that Independence Day exists. Independence Day is a terrible film that does not hold up, but I watched it when I was 10 and it was so fucking yeah. cool then that like I could rewatch that movie and not have really any complaints mm. about it. Hey, you watch your fucking mouth. And, <laughs> and don't disrespect my boy president uh what's his last name in that? Oh god. I have no idea. Oh, it's can, Bill Pullman. Yeah, Bill Pullman. President Bill Pullman. Don't disrespect him. And, like, I don't know, it was saying right there that he won a Razzie for his performance in this, John Travolta. He was nominated for a Razzie for this and Domestic Disturbance. He had won the year previous for Battlefield Earth and Lucky Numbers. It just seems so unfair. So disrespectful. if you really pit his villain against Philip Seymour Hoffman in Mission Impossible 3, they're the same person. Yeah. They're both, like, these super calm and collected terrorists. underwritten characters who actors kind of... Yeah. Because like Mission Impossible Three would be a bad but movie. That's the one thing Hoffman's though. Not in it. Yeah. That, that's the one thing though is is Gabriel in this movie underwritten? Because I feel like it's overwritten, mm. and that's 
part of the problem. He definitely is overwritten, but the way I think like he he embodies that like Bond villain archetype where yeah. he doesn't get angry. He gets like a little bit louder and he gets a little bit more intense, but he's so like always in control of the situation yeah. that even when he's got like a bunch of SUVs driving at him, he's able to like <laughs> calmly load yeah. a machine gun and light them up. He's always like so calm in the face of adversity that it makes him like that much more terrifying. I can't wait till when we talk about the Punisher. <laughs> <laughs> That's gonna be crazy. Oh, man. But I mean I, I I've probably seen this movie once a year. Amazing. It's like, because it'll just, it keeps popping up on Netflix. And then I'm like, you know. Gotta watch Swordfish. I need something to like fill an hour and 40 minutes of my life. Why not just rewatch this movie from when I was a kid? And every time I'm like, it makes no fucking sense. Why are they rolling down this hill for so long? And then I just watch it again. (laughs) Jeff. Yeah. I basically got everything out. Like, this is just an insane movie, and I love a good insane movie. I'm still baffled you guys only just watched this Yeah, film. I can't yep. believe I haven't first seen this time, movie before. First time I've ever this seen it. This movie is so specifically made for me. I can't believe I haven't watched it before. Specifically made for you? Yes. All of it? Yes. All of it? Not all of it. Okay. Yeah, most of it. Yeah. <laughs> so be careful there, Jeff. <laughs> all right. Yeah. Well, that, that, that's anyone, our episode. Anyone have any closing statements to make? Uh, I feel like I got everything out that I needed okay. to. I am so blessed that I got to talk about this film. <laughs> Swordfish. Because um, historically, no one has ever wanted to listen to me talk about it. Swordfish. <laughs> you know? Because it's, it's not a great and, movie. And, and I told everyone, I was like, you got to see this film. It's called Swordfish. I saw it on TBS. I told my dad, you got to watch this movie. Next time it's on, we've got to watch this movie. And he was not as entertained. <laughs> by Swordfish. You know, by Swordfish as I was. <laughs> Consider this the next level in spreading the gospel of swordfish. Yeah. <laughs> Bringing yeah. it to the masses. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, you know, looking at my clock, you might be in contention for longest episode of the show. No, I don't it's think po- so. I think it's possible. I don't think so. It's possible. We're going to see what happens. When you, when I you can talk about swordfish for another hour if that's <laughs> what we need to do. Oh, man. Uh, Sam, thank you so much for coming on. Thank to you talk so much about for Thank me. you, Sam. Contributed a lot. This, this, was, this an, was a hoot and a half. This was, was wonderful. Yes. Um, thank you to the audience for listening to this episode on Surfish and uh, te- tune in next week for our episode on domestic disturbance <laughs> everyone's favorite oh gosh <laughs> uh, is yes. it going to be another white man's burden par- problem no it's not, it's not going to be that it's not going to be that bad Okay. It's, it's, it's domestic disturbance everyone's favorite movie yeah right <laughs> but no uh, thank you all for listening domestic disturbance next week uh, getting my thing up. Uh, please make sure to rate, review, subscribe on whatever platform you're listening on. As a reminder, we are always available on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and YouTube. Uh, all of your favorites. Find us at Travolting Pod on Twitter or Instagram for updates and fun stuff. Pop into our Reddit, r slash Travolting. I don't know if anyone's posted in there in like six months, but it exists. Uh, email any comments or questions to TravoltingPodcast at gmail.com. Find uh, me on Twitter at Jeff W. Sweeney. Uh, find me on Instagram at StuartElmore95. Sam, anything you want to plug? Uh, yeah, you can find me on Instagram at SKWolcott. That's W-O-L-C-O-T-T. There we go. And special thanks, as always, to Rebecca Johnson for our graphic design and Michael Van Bodegum-Smith for the theme music that is taking you guys out. See you next week. Have a great time. Bye. Always get sorted. Bye.